0: Yeah, we love Ted Lasso. And
1: this is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or no. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome all Greyhound fans. Welcome all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton.
2: Okay, welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Coach Castleton. And uh, I have the honor of starting Season 3 of Ted Lasso uh, with two of my favorite people in the world. First is Coach Bishop. How's it going, Coach? All right. And with us, as always, is our boss, Emily Chambers.
3: I was surprisingly always more of a Green Day fan than a Nirvana fan. And I want to start the episode by saying that.
1: It's fair. Okay.
3: Yeah. It, it, be, because the episode we're talking about is smells like mean spirit.
1: Well, I personally very much love that song, which everyone thinks when they see me. Like, that's always the first thing people <laughs> ask me. <laughs> They're like, you're a, Nir- Are you- you're a Nirvana guy, right? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. how'd you know? But, um... Green Day is one of those groups, and it happens to me consistently. And each time I go through it again where I'm like, I don't know one Green Day song. And then people start listing songs, you and I'm like, all right, I know some Green Day songs. That's so true. Yeah, like of course you song. do. I like that song. That's cool.
2: Uh, Coach, in season one, you mentioned uh, we were talking about, God, was it Def Leppard? I forget who we were talking about. But you mm. said, you know what? Someday we're going to talk about some of the weird songs that I actually like because of because of your experience at Poly Prep. mm And and you're like, oh, you would be surprised because there are certain songs that you
1: think Nirvana falls into that category? I think so. Definitely. I don't think anybody looks at me and thinks, I bet one of your favorite albums of all time is Joshua Tree. But that's
2: true. Oh, Oh. yeah, yeah. You mentioned that, right? Joshua Tree, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So it's Uh, a
2: few different ones. Today we are diving into uh, Ted Lasso, season three, the final season And it is, the episode one is called Smells Like Mean Spirit, written by Leanne Bowen, who wrote, uh, in season one, she wrote Diamond Dogs. Great episode. One of our favorites. And she wrote Lavender in season two. And now she is cracking open season three with Smells Like Mean Spirit. Uh, uh, We're going to talk about this episode. I found it to be a very table-setting episode. We'll see what everyone Mm -hmm. else thought. Mm -hmm. Um, It's directed by MJ Delaney. And we open over black with the sounds of a uh, airport. And then we get to see, in season one, the first face we saw was Rebecca. In season two, the first face we saw was Nate. And Boss, whose face do we open on for season three?
3: Ted's. If I'm remembering correctly, yeah. I haven't gotten to do as many rewatches as I usually do. So I hope everyone will forgive me if I'm uh, don't, not quoting the lines at people yet. I will get there. But open on Ted at the airport, looking at his phone, if I remember correctly.
1: For me, there was something fun about knowing that that probably means we're going to end on Ted, which makes me very, like, excited. Like, what what is going to have transpired and what's going to be on Ted's face? Uh when when we go when we fade to black that last time. I, I, I got a little fired up about how this was all gonna unfold.
2: Yeah, it's pretty exciting that, that uh a show called Ted Lasso is gonna feature a character called Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> in season it took three seasons to get there, but here we Why are. Why you gotta Ted- bring an
1: umbrella to a brainstorm, man. You do <laughs> no, mm-hmm. no, no,
2: no. I think it's wonderful. It's just, uh, I remember back in the day how, how stunned and shocked we were when season one was really the Rebecca season. And we were like, wow, okay. Yeah. This is like not just about Ted Lasso. This is, this is her journey in this season. And, um, so yeah, we open on Ted's face. He's actually before he looks down at his phone, he's sort of staring out into space. He's got this, he's got more he got more of a, a, a five o'clock shadow than we're used to from Ted. And we've talked a little bit about w- the sim- symbolism of Ted's messy hair. And there's only a couple episodes where he's where he looks a little unkempt um, and he opens with some with some stubble, which is some, something we have not seen from Ted. He's staring off uh, like she's got sort of a, a dead man's gaze. He's just looking away at nothing. Uh we see that the we hear we hear over the over the loudspeaker this is the final uh boarding call for flight 8022 to Kansas City. Um and he's just sitting there blinking, just kind of taking it in. He looks down, gets a tweet at his phone, we get the the ding of the Apple uh product placement, and <laughs> we get we get a weirdly, we get a text from who, coach?
1: From Michelle. Yeah, from and, Michelle. Uh, she's a very, very sweet text. Have a safe flight. I love you. Yeah, with exclamation points.
2: And then I'm like, wait a second. Oh, this is a flashback. This is a yeah. We're we're in the past. And okay, because okay. that's the only thing I could figure out. Um, and as soon as we get there, uh, we realize. Um, as Ted, he's doing a thing with his fingers. He's rubbing his finger and thumb together, which we know is a telltale sign of the onset of anxiety. And then we hear that he's being paged. We pull back and we find out we're sitting uh, at an airport uh, where Ted is holding uh, Henry's phone, his son's phone. And um, okay, so far, we've now set the scene. Ted, uh, Henry has come to visit Ted. At this point, anything you, either one of you guys wanna? talk about
3: nothing yet that we haven't covered um i had the same idea about the flashback but then also i didn't know where they would even be going with that since the entire first season was what happened after ted got to the airport
1: Mm. so i was interested yeah yeah Yeah. sorry ahead.
3: no i was just gonna say i was interested in what they were going to be doing but it didn't give me enough to go on yet
1: for me there was a bit of um now this is a my storytelling style interfering with me watching what somebody else is doing I love stories that show you a moment when it's done effectively cheat they're cheesy versions too but when they show you a moment and then we go back to get back to how we end up at that moment so I did have a flash of a thought of like Oh my God! Is this? Are they telling us right up front that this season is a story of how Ted ends up going back to Michelle? I just had a flash of that. It was gone quickly, but I did have that thought when I saw that text message. And Coach, uh,
2: refresh everyone's memory. What are we coming into this season? What's the last thing that happened last season? Where are we? I mean, uh, Boss, did they? Were they relegated last season? Did they win? Did they move up? How, what happened at the end of the last season with, with Ted Lasso?
3: Oh, it was uh Oh, Jesus, I'm blanking on it now. Empire Strikes Back. Jesus Christ. Sorry, there goes all of my nerd cred that I have developed over the years. <laughs> my my trivial pursuit skills gone. Um yeah, no, it's as bad as it could get. Um Nate left the team. The team was not relegated, so I guess. And they didn't stay in their league. They were promoted back to the Premier League. So I guess that part's good. But all of the other relationships seem to have broken down to an extent. Uh, go ahead,
1: Coach. See, now that we can see each other, I do that. I probably... ADHD boy. I probably do that <laughs> 15 times an episode and now you guys are going to feel like, oh, I've got to stop. Don't, don't stop. I'll, I'll, don't I'll stop. jump in. But go ahead, You'll yeah, jump. You got, it.
3: got it. Um, yeah. And I think, um, I, if I've already mentioned this before, apologies, I'm going to do it again. Um, my older sister sent me a text that said like in air quotes, so what picture should we use for Brett Goldstein for his Oscar? And somebody else, everyone else is just using their headshots. And then the original person, I don't know, what about him growling at a fucking cheetah statue? Which reminded me that at the end of season two, Keely <laughs> was not going on vacation with Roy. And Roy was heading off for a very long look, uh, vacation that he had planned for them. So a lot of disconnection at the end of the last season, despite the promotion to the Premier League.
2: Right. Right. Which is a huge, huge accomplishment. Um, and something nobody, uh, would have predicted. Um, if you remember Trent Krim, the independent, um, Trent Trent was like, you know, they're going to, I believe they will get relegated and I believe they will lose. And, and, um, and, you know, so this represents a a pretty, uh, sizable, um, accomplishment for Ted and for Beard and for, for Roy and, and once upon a time
1: for Nate. Um, it makes me tip my cap a bit to, uh, it makes me tip my cap a bit to the writer's room though, that they, that they, they're doing something that, you know, structurally I get, I see it happening, but I still enjoy, which they, they're not going to give you both up or both down, generally speaking. And so you can almost chart, you know, where we're going to be with our key relationships based on the success on the field. And uh, I I think, I feel like it's, it's there and I get why it's done. And I feel like it's also being done very well, even as I'm watching and know what, what they're doing.
2: Now I came into this. I'm one of those people that doesn't watch um, uh, any kind of trailers. Like I haven't seen any Ted Lasso trailers for season three. I don't know what, what we're heading into any, you know, these waters are all uncharted for me. Are do you guys come into season three with any expectation about what you'd like to see last season, one of the big things that we established was some of us had an idea of what the show should be that didn't necessarily match up with what the writers thought the show should be. And that formed some form of disconnect. It still was a phenomenal show. It's still a masterpiece, and we still love it. But there were times when we, some of the viewers... Uh, felt out of sync with the direction of the show. Do you, either one of you, let's start with boss. Do you have a sense about what you're looking forward to this season being, especially as we open on kind of a morose looking Ted with a little stubble um, bringing Henry uh, to an airplane? Do you, do you have a, an expectation? And I'm assuming uh boss that you watched every trailer and have listened to every podcast And, you know, I know you do your your homework with regard to that. And I try to stay away from any even remote spoilers. So,
3: oh, man. See, I spent all morning dissecting the um, 12 second trailer for season two of The Bear. So, yes, correct. Um, It is funny to me, though, that you said, what are you looking forward to in season three? Because full disclosure, I was ready to bail. Like I was absolutely I was. Not coming into it thinking this is gonna be bad and I need to end this TV relationship, but prepared to do so in case they didn't come through the first couple of episodes or so. I do not need to leave after watching episode one. I need that make that very clear. The episode did do well enough that I am sticking around. However, um my actual my only thoughts on it is that I know uh Becky Ann Baker, an actress, she was on. Brockmire, she played Brockmire's sister, who uh, I just need to throw this out there in case anybody out there cares what I think at all and hasn't watched it yet. Brockmire's sister's name is Jean Brockmire Glasscock on the show. You should watch it. It's really good. Um, She also was on Girls. She played Hannah Horvath's mom. She's amazing, and she's going to be on the show at some point in season three. That is the thing I was most looking forward to, seeing how they're going to incorporate her as Ted's mom, I believe. And so I, I I wanted to see that and how that was going to play out. I probably shouldn't be ruining this for you right now, coaches, but I'm going to. Uh, so th- other than that, I was ready to be won over and looking forward to that part. And that was about it.
1: Interestingly, as I watched the pilot, or the no, pilot, the season premiere, I thought, oh, they're going to be happy again. I don't even... <laughs> And I didn't even have details on that, but Daphne is my witness. I said to Daphne, I go, Oh, they're going to be happy again. I said that. So it's interesting that I'd be very curious to hear like the gut reactions because that was my thought about halfway through the episode. I thought, okay, I, I definitely was pleased, but I thought, yeah, this is, this is the, the, the part I liked that I think we agreed on.
2: Is is that you both sense that we're looking? You think that we're headed towards a
1: happy ending of some sort? Well, I would say happy. Wh- Who's happiness? Audience happy? Ted happy? Team happy? Like I think there's going to be a real mix there. I don't think they're just going to give us syrupy sweet and 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 roll credits. But I but I I think there will be. A, I think it'll be a satisfying ending. I do. I actually. I have great faith that it will be a satisfying. Game. I want them to win the championship, and I believe that Bill Lawrence is going to move the football. And I both love and hate <laughs> him for it. And like I know. I know. Like, <laughs> come on, Orlando, you can believe again. And that, and I know. Boom on my back like Charlie Brown, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Okay. Um, uh, for anyone who is, who is just visiting the podcast for the first
2: time, uh, coach Bishop tends to be the show's uh, resident apologist, uh, loves all things lasso and, um, is blind to the, any of the problems with the show. Generally blind. Um, it's his not, kindness. Not how
1: I would phrase that, but okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: He, he's a, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, conversely, um, boss tends to be more critical uh, have it has, has, uh, less patience for some of the dalliances that the show takes and, um, will often, um, sort of call the show out for, uh, efforts that she thinks are either, uh, lacking or, uh, didn't connect with her. Uh, an example is last season, she thought the show tried to pack too much in, um, and thereby, uh, sort of diminished certain parts of this of the show that she you know would have preferred to have seen um is that a fair uh statement boss
3: i have been known to call dog shit dog shit and i am not saying that the show is dog shit i won't even say that season two the points where i was disappointed with it were dog shit because they were significantly better than a lot of the stuff you're going to see out there but I'm also mean. So I like I even things I love, I criticize a lot. Um, and when I think that things are not doing as well as they should be, I get aggravated by that. But yes, what you said about uh, the parts of the pacing and things that we pay too much attention to and not enough time to it aggravated me a lot.
2: Yeah. And and coach, I wasn't suggesting that you are, uh, um, I use the term blind to uh, poke fun at you, but you are a (laughs) a brilliant man. And um, I just think that given the choice of giving the show the benefit of the doubt or not, you tend to err on the side of always giving them the benefit of the doubt.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, And I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, So as we are uh, diving into this, to this, uh, this scene. Um, uh, Ted starts apologizing, uh, to the, to the flight attendant who was waiting for Henry says the little guy was trying to unlock princess peach on super smash bros, uh, which is a, which if you have kids, you've, you've, you know, that, um, and, uh, um, you know, then the, the flight attendant responds that she once held an entire flight to Sydney hostage until she finished the final level of breath of the wild, uh, to which Ted says, Hey, that's a." Potentially troubling, <laughs> troublesome <laughs> sentence to say. So I appreciate you. Um, and she greets Henry. Um, she's asked him if he's excited to to uh, get back home. And then um, the show does something which it had, which I okay. We talked about this a lot in season two. I I really hate the use. Uh, I shouldn't say hate. I uh, I I mm. don't love. Super smart kids used as plot robots or or a way to convey uh, exposition um, that they that you can't figure out another way to convey. So it's fine. Um, What did Henry say, um, boss, about uh, going back home if he was excited to go back to America?
3: Back home to his toys. Yes. My country's political landscape. Not so much.
1: Right. I to- I get your point about, you know, sort of uh overly what, what word should we use? precocious, I guess maybe is a word kids. Yeah. I, I and I'll jump right into my apologist role. Um, no, but uh <laughs> no, but here was, my reaction to it was a little different than that cuz I also don't like that. I don't like when I'm like a kid might think that essential thought, but certainly wouldn't articulate it the way we needed them to articulate it, so this scene could be cute um here it landed differently for me, especially because we then get an explanation from Ted that, oh uh, yeah, I fall asleep with c n n on which in terms of knowing his character, I'm like, well, maybe you know the bourbon the bourbon may be slipping into the game. Even when uh, Henry's around, maybe when we need to when we need to chill out and sleep or something. But at any rate, I felt like a kid who had spent six weeks with Ted, who also you know reveres Ted. is just you know that's his dad. You know, um, I could see him saying that. I could see him speaking a bit like Ted, uh, especially because he doesn't have like siblings or whatever. Like it's all him and Ted. So I thought it was more a reflection of the time they spent together than it was about, um, oh, look how smart Henry is.
3: I mean, it, yes, that is your apologist role, and I appreciate that. I, I it's It is understandable that a child of Ted Lasso might be a little more perceptive than other kids, especially an only child. I will say, however, I was hanging out with a few friends on Friday night, and one of my friends showed me The picture book that her daughter's friends had made for her daughter and it was about her daughter's baby doll getting married and having kids with the the imaginary husband who doesn't exist and they made three different stories and every story ended with the husband dying Like to the extent that they drew the coffin and the funeral and all of it. So that's my speed with kids that they're a little bit weird that they don't know a lot of boundaries and they definitely wouldn't say things like my country's political landscape. Like I I get it, but also it didn't ring entirely true for me.
1: All right. i get that. I get it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Excellent points. And I I certainly hope that's the case. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't like the, 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 you know, Scion little kid. I I felt like, you know, it was Nora that, that this is, this is, this is a reaction to Nora. This is like me still not over Nora sitting in Rebecca's chair, you know, sort of delegating. You remember that I, and i really rubbed me the wrong way so i don't think this is that um but i st- I, I had my hackles up uh when we started okay so um uh I, I don't know what it says that uh in the six weeks uh that ted was hanging out with his son he tended to doze off uh to cnn and, and leave the little boy up um I, I get i get really sort of uh I have a flag for any time uh, a TV show represents, like, um, oh, you know, men are always crappy dads, or, you know, like, you know, I, I just have this little, like, ah, uh, just kind of gets to me because I work really hard uh, to be a good dad. And some, and I'm like, oh, where's the version of, you don't see it a lot. You don't, you don't see it. You don't see it a lot because I think mostly women do <laughs> most of the work. And <laughs> that's why you don't see it very much. But, um, but anyway um
3: well and yeah. the shows where the moms are the bad parents tend to be much sadder
1: much darker, there's like
3: yeah. a yeah 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 there's a level of fun where dad is sort of buffoonish that still works but if mom is fucking up things things are going pretty bad that's like a shameless dark
2: yeah no the right true that, that absolutely yes very true i i want to see the show where they're bo- both parents are 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 busting their asses, and they're both good parents, and they're both overworked, and they're both exhausted, and they're both trying to, you know, cook and clean and and make ends meet and drive all over hell, getting kids to every activity to try to give the kids a, a better life. But, um, you know, gonna, I think I'm going to
3: f- plug Raising Hope in that case.
2: Okay, all right, good. There we go. All right, perfect. Um, okay, so. Um, we are, uh, we are, uh, at a moment where Ted has to say bye to Henry. Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, he, he gives Henry a, uh, uh, iPad loaded with, (laughs) loaded up with a bunch of movies. Um, you know, no, no need to watch your, your neighbor's screen. Um, which I thought was cute. Um, and, uh, less, less movies about clouds and sewers, the better, which is clearly, clearly, uh. Uh, It reference
1: right I'm and, not a horror um, guy but I Totally got the reference one and two Thought that was very funny that Like I could 100% see A kid getting pulled onto the Neighbors screen. like the whole thing made sense To me and 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 made me Laugh that like that was you know Ted's answer was like all right you got all The movies you need don't do that Again <laughs> right, right Yeah it's true I mean listen
2: w- With regard to that it's such it was a I'm not a horror guy, uh, at all. Um, but all you need to see as a kid is the still image of the clown looking up from the grate with the, and you go, Oh my God, like that is, that is, you can't, you drive around any major city and you, you couldn't escape it at the time. So, um, you know, uh, so, uh, in return, Henry gives Ted a what bus? A
3: tiny little Lego championship cup. Right. That they're going to drink tiny little amounts of champagne out of.
2: Exactly. Um, so he's got the little Premier League trophy there, a little little cup, and, and uh, and uh, you know, he, he says it's just until you win the real one. Uh, you never know, right? And the, the uh, flight attendant r- 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 urges him to hurry, repress for time. Um, and he says, okay, you know, six months goes by real quick. Um, do me a favor uh, when you get home, give your mom a squeeze and tell her lover, i love you buddy and has to watch as his child uh walks away. I I've I've touched on this in in the other seasons where I have been there as a divorced parent and you you just it is not like i was like this wrecked me. Just just i'm like okay cool, like this is nice. I'm like 8 seconds into season 3. And I'm just ready to, I, I hate the moment. I hate it. I've commented on it as a parent. You never expect that you wake up to an empty house after you have kids. And I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, uh, so yeah, that was, that was tough to watch. And it was tough for Ted to handle because he was messed up about it.
1: Yeah. The wave, my heart sank with the wave. I mean, I did find, you know, I've not been through, um, you know, divorce and so, but just the the goodbyes, like I, even when my nephew used to come visit, like that that last wave was so like, oof. Um, yeah, I thought they did a great job of capturing that.
3: This is the difference between parents and aunts, because when I let the kids go, uh, <laughs> it's like, a cocktail immediately. <laughs> I I I dog sat for my younger sister. I watched her dog for a weekend, and as soon as I dropped him off at her house, I came home and had a vodka soda. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm done. I, I I'm over." I'd love that.
2: Okay, and I want to talk a little bit about the beautiful shot composition of this scene because uh, a show is only as good as it as what it makes you feel, and. That is partially comprised of, of the the script. I mean largely comprised of the script uh, and the acting, the directing whatever but shot composition is really important. Um, there's this beat where where uh, Henry's being rushed away by the flight attendant and T- it looks like Ted wants to say something like he wants to say like as Henry turns away like he raises his hand I can't, I can't really figure out what's going on there but like he had more to say, but it just didn't happen. And that's the first shot. The second shot um, is his child being like, with his back to him. Medium shot, uh, child, child uh, walking away, holding somebody else's hand. And then you have this beautiful choice, which is uh, Henry going down the elevator. Up, uh, sorry, the escalator, and he's being visually erased, like off the screen by the the bottom of the escalator. Do you
3: guys remember that? ah, uh, okay, yes. Now that you're bringing it up, I do.
2: And and there's that, that beat where you're like, oh my God, he's almost gone, which is the, the moment that we talked about the wave that Coach brought up. Like the wave was 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 brutal. And when Henry turns around, that the wave is the fourth shot. And then we, we have just a, a, a tighter shot on Ted's face. We're, we're close up. It's mostly just his head uh, in frame. And it starts out sad. And as soon as he sees... Henry turned, like he puts on the real happy face, you know, puts on the strong face for Henry, and then Henry's gone. And then they do my favorite shot, which is this wide shot of him standing awkwardly alone, and the shot makes the space look huge, and him look tiny inside of it. And I thought, man, that is just a gorgeous sequence of shots.
1: I, I, yeah, I hadn't thought about the sequence of shots, either in the shooting, you know, neither the directing, the cinematography, nor the editing. I hadn't specifically thought of those. Um, but as you describe it, it, it it's very much there. And actually, as you describe it, it made me think, now in this one, I'm, I'm Henry. So folks are going to have to, uh, use their imaginations quite a bit. But when my dad was essentially dying, he had, uh, can't, he had a tumor in his brain. He'd had surgery and we, you know, I we were trying to be hopeful but it wasn't looking great and I'm in Panama visiting him he's in the hospital and I just can't walk out of the room cuz it's time to go to the airport it's time to come back to LA I just cannot and finally I you know I'm making excuses of you know one other thing to say one other thing to say and he finally goes go ahead don't worry I ain't going nowhere and in Looking back at that moment, I think he knew good and goddamn well he was going somewhere, but he also knew that I was never going to leave that room. And so he, he put on that brave face and he did the whole deal so that I would go get on my fucking plane and go live my life, which is what he needed me to do. And, you know, he would be fine. So, like... Yeah. After he died, it hit me that that was exactly what he was doing. And, and what each of us would do for like that kid, whether it's our biological kid or not, we'd sort of go, Oh, no, it's all fine. It's going to be great. You're going to have fun. I heard your mom's new place has a pool. I'm making that up, Thor, but I know you did the equivalent of that. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty deep because, you know, Ted's about to be knee deep in some Jack Daniels in about 45 minutes.
3: Man, yeah, way to just jump right in with the bawling. Thank you <laughs> for that. God damn. Oh, and and now, uh, Castan and I will blubber for a little bit, what uh, trying to recover. Right, That's this, a beautiful story. Thank you for telling it. Th-
2: thank, yeah, you, it. thank you, coach. Um, you. I, uh, this is the first time in all of our recording where I almost have to walk away. I'm real. I'm real close.
0: Yeah. Well, while you were talking,
2: I said, "I'm gonna have to say, guys, I need a minute." And I'll be- oh <laughs> like, man, uh, that's that's a that's a tough story, Coach. Uh, one of my great regrets is I never got to meet either one of your parents, and uh, uh, they would have like, both this- loved you. Yeah. I, they, well, there's no question about that, but. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 what does it say? Like, uh, uh, you know, I love meeting people's parents. It's like a roadmap of see why they're all Aye. messed up or right. Yep. yeah yep. mm-hmm. That's
1: right. Mm-hmm. Full on, full, uh, on oh. full on QAnon. great <laughs> moment. So funny. They,
2: they sound a uh, fantastic coach. And, and, um, you know, I was thinking about one of the, what, what happens right after this scene is we get, um, the, the scene where, where Ted, um, calls doc. Calls, calls, uh, Dr. Sharon. But the visuals for that scene while he's talking to her, you know, he's, he's, he's in the, the taxi for a little bit, but then he starts undoing the evidence of Henry's visit. And I always hate being the last person at the party or the, you know, like when, when everybody's gone, when you have this like spirit, there's like some, there's, there's been an event and then it's just you kind of picking up plastic cups and and like for some reason it's harder at that moment and it's even worse when it's your child and you see ted undoing the the entire visit he he's picking up legos which is funny because it was impossible and one always gets under the couch which is which is hysterical and uh you typically step on it with bare feet at some point um he has to pull down the whole fort that they built you know like this entire fort that Henry built. And, and you just go, Oh my God. And and then, then he starts like self grooming. And I'm like, man, this is a, there's some, there are some, um, ritualistic things happening in this season three episode one. Um, you know, the, the, uh, sort of, uh, the self grooming was interesting to me because it was like, okay, I'm going to now get back to being my coach identity um because it's the thing that that has where i have the strength to
1: handle this transition is is the way that i read it mhm i think y- yes to what you've just said and i think i would i would di- i would intentionally describe it as getting into character i guess that's what i was looking for um it feels like he's going to go be ted lasso again um, dad may be unshaven sometimes, maybe skip a shower or two while we focus on, you know, how realistic we can make our Lego creation. But, uh, you know, Ted Lasso's hair is going to be in place and he's going to be shaven, you know, clean shaven and all the good things. So, yeah, I, I almost felt like we, we watched him get back in the character. Right. But it felt, I you know, when they say, you
2: know, they say disregard everything you see people that people, people put on Instagram or Facebook because it's like mm-hmm. their P, it's like mm-hmm. their PR, you know. And and mm-hmm. in some ways, I'm like, oh, the real Ted is this is this. He had that thousand yard stare in the first, uh, uh, you know, shot of the season, mm-hmm. uh, un, unshaven, and yes, now he is becoming, he's going back to being Ted Lasso. But I'm like, oh God, is Ted Lasso his social media? you know, identity. Is that, Is Ooh. that what, do you know what I'm saying?
3: Um, no, I definitely get what you're saying. I think it's true, especially about social media. Um, it's why I usually prefer the accounts where uh, like Instagram, if people are putting out photos of their messy apartment, I'm like, okay, you, I actually trust that your life is pretty decent because you would not be sharing all of the dirty parts. Mm-hmm. If you were that embarrassed or worried about it. Um, it but also it, I don't know. I think I've mentioned on the show before that, like, I very easily modify behavior or speech or whatever else depending on situations. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned that my work emails include at least two exclamation points. So there's an extent to which I think that people put on, like, it's not a facade, but it's like a, this is my work me, and this is mm-hmm. my. Summer break me hanging out with my kid. So, I don't want to say that it's fake, but I do understand what you mean about like switching in between different modes. Maybe like it is Ted, T- coach Ted yeah, is Ted. It's just a different version of Ted than mm-hmm. he a- allows himself to be alone at night when nobody else is around.
1: Uh, you know what? I'm, yeah, I get that. And I think it's, um, It bumps into some of the things people say about, like, bringing your whole self to work. It's an ongoing debate between uh, Daphne, for those, the uninitiated, my wife Daphne, and me. Because her feeling is, bring your whole self to work for what? Do your work. Mm -hmm. I'll do my work. Right? That's much more where she, whereas I'm like, well, if people can't be their whole selves. I mean, how are we going (laughs) to get the best out of it? You know? <laughs> it's very sad it's very <laughs> pathetic but like I really believe that but but yeah often you know and I think yeah Daphne's reaction would be like yeah sure like I joke around yeah. I'm goofy I'm this and that and then I go to work and then that's who I am there and they're both me yes you know yeah I think that think there's a lot to that yeah there's a lot to that uh, coach walk us through
2: the next part of this where Ted is heading back and he calls um,
1: Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, and um, what does she say to him? Um, he immediately, you know, asks how he's feeling. He says he he's fine. She asked how the drop off went, and I thought th- this again. This line underscored my my heart sinking moment. Uh, uh, you know, uh, with that escalator. Well, for me or for him, uh, because I think those are two very different answers. I have, I am already in anticipatory pain because, um, my 17 year old, then to be 18 year old will be heading, uh, across the country in August. And I, yeah, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Like I will be found wandering down La Brea in my <laughs> robe. Let us make no mistake about that. <laughs> I'm gonna tell, like Daphne probably already planned to like put air tags in all my clothes, just to just. <laughs> it's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good. So yeah, that yeah. that that and one she, and she's home. 18, Coach. I know that's the thing, right? That's the yep. thing. So, but yeah, so um, I thought it was. I really liked that Doctor Sharon was around, not just because I love Dr. Sharon and I love their dynamic in terms of the story and my enjoyment. One of the things I I hate, and it actually came up in my own work with uh, Unstuck as Fuck, which, you know, my stage show, was, is I refuse to portray uh, therapy like it's a magic trick. And we had to get into it because we're also trying to get this show done in, you know, a reasonable number of minutes and you can't lay everything out. But I just, I I don't like that. It's 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 just this. It seems like the uh, the brain centered version of. And then he found Jesus, and it's like, all right, enough, you know. And so I like that the work continues. Um, yeah, that just I it felt it felt mature to me in a way that some shows I think are immature and sort of acting like. And then he was fixed. Yes. Yeah.
3: I have my issues with some of the therapy from the end of season two, especially. Um, And even just thinking about season two, early in season two, we only saw the athletes going in the players. I should say players going into Dr. Fieldstone's office and then coming out and having mantras or having a Mm -hmm. new perspective or Mm -hmm. being able to kick the ball in Danny's case. Um, So I do like to see the work actually continued in the check-ins. They're not going to give us one 60 minute episode that is just a full therapy session. And I understand that. Although I would not hate it. I have to admit that would not be a terrible thing. (laughs) But uh, getting to at least see some of this happening and continuing is good for
1: me. I've never written fan fiction. But if I did, (laughs) the first thing I would write. Is that fucking episode? I just was, I just got excited. Sure. Like I was like, is that <laughs> is that going to happen? And then I had to deal with the reality, which is probably not. Like that is a great, great, great idea. Anyway.
2: Um, all right, so Coach, you like the fact that uh, that therapy not a miracle cure. Ted says he just feels kind of guilty about the little guy flying all by himself. You know and 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 Dr. Sharon says, you know, children are re- resilient, a sense of autonomy at Henry's age is good for him, you know, ever the voice of rational uh rational thinking and Ted admits that's true. Um and Ted recounts a story about uh being left at school when he was when he was about Henry's age. Um boss, what was the story about uh Mr. Maher?
3: Mr. Maher. Okay, I couldn't remember the actual uh, pronunciation. I knew I was going to screw it up. I kept wanting to call him Mather. And that's not it. Um, so he, uh, Ted left after school, uh, ended up helping the custodian, Mr. Maher, clean half the school. His dad remembers to come pick him up. And he gave Mr. Maher money for babysitting Ted when uh, Ted's dad came to drop off the next day. Mr. Maher ends up giving Ted the money payment for doing all of the work. Ted says he's going to buy that uh, Mr. Maher a thank you gift using that money, but he never got the chance to give it to him. He ended up getting hit by a train.
2: Right, right.
1: So and
3: Dr. I, Fieldstone says, "I didn't see that coming."
1: And Ted and, says, "Well, neither did he." See, <laughs> I I need that to be appreciated. I need. <laughs> Like, I get it. I get why that might enrage some people. Like, downright fucking enrage. And I get it. But that's such an old joke. And it's (laughs) so, like, really? And they really (laughs) wrote it in? Like, I was like, wow. Like, good for you. Like, it's just, like, this far from, like, my shoulder hurts when I do this. Don't do this. Like, I was like, wow. Like I, But I did laugh out loud that they did the joke. And and they yeah. do they do some of that throughout the series that I like just sort of like classic jokes or like classic joke structures and they'll just sort of just plop them on in there and, and keep going. But anyway, I I appreciated that moment.
2: I'm with you. I think it's great. Um, and the, and they as we've said for for two seasons now. You know the the the, the, the um the type the volume and the frequency and the different types of comedy everything from physical gags to uh you know corny dad jokes to really really clever joke construction and they know what they're doing it's not accidental um they know what they're doing so much that i okay this is where when you when you love a show this much um and i do love the show coming off of two best comedy emmys in a row by the way despite uh Bosses, frowning,
3: Uh -uh. countenance. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Got got nothing on me.
2: Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, yeah, they are cleverly tricking us, Coach, is what I thought, with that joke construction, because it is so good. The architecture of it is so perfect that we people like us would focus on the architecture and not realize, did they just tell us the spine of this season? Great job. I don't, I, no, no, no. I don't know. I don't, I don't, don't quote me because, no, okay, yeah, 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 in all, in all fairness, mm-hmm. in all fairness, they do this sometimes where yes. they hide something in plain sight. Yep. And then you only, and rewatch, you go, oh shit. Like, and so with this, I thought, okay, is uh, he's being school. He, Ted was recounting of, you know, being Henry's age. So he's a little boy, but is he still that little boy? And, and who is the Mr. Maher and what is coming to, Where, what is the train that's coming? So I, I don't know. Again, in, in fairness, um, it's probably just, uh, you know, a a red herring, but, um, we, in an effort to get this podcast out in, in a reasonable amount of time, um, after the season three premiere, we are forced to not watch it the 68 times that we typically do (laughs) before, (laughs) before we comment. So, I'm open to – I'm just uh, spitballing a little bit because I thought, oh, I bet – I have such a respect for this writing staff that I thought maybe
1: I, I, that's I something they might do. Th- think you're likely correct, and i just like to thank you for uh, having me double my anxiety meds, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it yeah, might require that.
3: I don't know if this is going to help any. I took it significantly more literally than that in that if – Ted's dad was forgetting to pick him up from school when Ted was eight and Ted's dad dies when he's 16, what was going on for those eight years that Ted's dad was maybe not around and not the dad that he should have been as much? Mm-hmm. So this this was more for me, like looking back on season one after season two, mm-hmm. and thinking about Ted saying, playing darts with my dad until he passed away when I was 16 and thinking, oh, I, it's not just passing away. Like, there's there's more to this that they're going to be
1: bringing up. I, I think it's interesting now that you, you do that, and I do feel like all sorts of seeds get planted. Um, what was the story that Ted told when having biscuits with the boss, getting left, and he knew how long he was left because he was looking at the clock. clock. So that's two stories, and they're pretty intentional as a writing staff. That's two very clear stories of... Ted being forgotten. And oh, then obviously shit. the revelation of of uh, season two being what it is in terms of uh, Ted's dad. So I, it's an interesting, I think there's something there. I think shit. there's something I d- there.
3: I did not connect it to the clock story. So that is a great pull. Excellent.
1: Yes. Uh, this is what happens when you've watched every episode, you know, 25 times at some point. <laughs>
2: do, do either of you have any experience being a little kid and being... Uh,
1: forgotten yes. by your parents? Yes. I When I was in seventh grade, my mom sometimes you take the bus, sometimes she picked me up. And uh, there was one time it was my first year at Poly Prep, so you know, whatever. And she uh, told totally me. So you were just what, fifth, fifteen? Oh, no, 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 no. I was seventh grade, so 12. And uh, yeah, and just sort of sat there and finally, I think. Like, at a certain point was like, okay, even my mom being late, like, this is crazy. And called, and she, of course, was like, oh, my God. And she just, you know, came rushing over. But um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's oddly scary. Like, it's scary, not just, like, something might happen to me, but it feels like there's a scary beyond that. Like, it's like, uh, yeah, if my, what, what like. If my parents did forget me, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. There's something more emotional or existential maybe. I don't know. But there's a deeper level than just like, I need a ride home. A ride home doesn't totally clean that up.
3: Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I was going to say that. Both my elementary, all the schools I went to were within easy walking distance, even when I was in first grade. And my older sister is three years older. So for most of my very little years, she would be able to walk me to or from school. I'm sure that there were times where I confirmed I was getting a ride home and then didn't get it and then was like, oh, well, I'm just going to walk home. That'll be fine. Like, I will walk the six blocks myself. I could do that but it, it, there is the 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 scared of like what do i do but also like what do i do if i have to do this by myself which is i think what you're talking about with that different level of being scared yep. it's not just like in yep. the immediate right. what do i do about this it's uh, you know if I go home, am I paying the mortgage? Because I am seven and I don't know how to do that.
1: Right, right. How how yes. on my own am I? Yeah, that. Yes, there you go. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Exactly. Nope.
2: Yeah. Well, one of Coach's uh, speaking as one of his uh, oldest friends. Uh, one of Coach's superpowers is uh, if you say to Coach, "Like, what else could go wrong?" He he will just. He's like, "How yes. much time do you have?" Because <laughs> I will right. He could just go forever. I yes. tell you a trillion things that could go. There's no end to that. Whereas, <laughs> so this is fascinating. You're the same way, boss. Is that what you're saying?
3: Absolutely. I thought that that was an Irish thing. I thought that that uh, was uh, like a, a an Irish Catholic, like what could go wrong? Here are all of the things. Let oh, me tell yeah. you what exactly.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's in there pretty deep.
3: Yeah. And also there is never at any point ever, here's what could go wrong. So here's what I must do in order to protect against that. It's always, here's what goes wrong. And then I just give up. Like, even to the point, there was an episode of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, one of my favorite shows, where he was talking about, like, just what happens if you get arrested and and indicted for a serious crime. Not even if you are proven guilty and put into jail, but just, like, the nightmare of a life that you take over because you were involved in the... police and the legal system and I was like oh I just I would have to just go to jail like I couldn't do anything about it. if the apocalypse hits tomorrow I am out immediately I am not fighting I've got so much quit in me you would not believe it
1: that is a t-shirt <laughs> I, I, have so much... <laughs> I
3: have shit. so, so much shit. the greatest
1: sentences I've ever heard in my life I have so much quit in me you wouldn't <laughs> believe <Bum! laughs> it
3: and I would try to convince you, but I don't, I can't get around to it. You can't oh, get that done either.
1: Oh my god, that is wonderful. That is so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love, I, I love I'm, Coach Castle to just sit in there slack jaw.
2: I, I, I <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, for whatever reason, I think Coach and I tend to be, we have friends who are friends with a lot of overachievers. Coach is a ivy school ivy league uh, graduate and a super you know superstar i i i'm like do i have any other friends who would even approach the mm-hmm. honesty of that they might have quit in them but they've they've right. but been soundly convinced they've wow. lied to themselves so effectively that um they would ne- that would never come out of anyone else's mouth i have so much quit in me you wouldn't yeah. believe
3: it. I dropped out of the state school that I got into, and then when I went back later, it was to the cheapest commuter college that I could find in my neighborhood. And that's how I finished college. That's that's my Ivy League. So I went all the way to Northeastern Illinois University. Go, whatever sort of bird was our mascot. Oh my god, he
2: bothered <laughs> <was> to
0: learn.
3: <laughs> she doesn't know
2: the mascot of her. Of the college she attended.
3: Go
1: whatever bird. Whatever bird that this... I I think, I, it's,
3: I think it's eagles. It might be eagles. I don't know.
1: It's so wonderful because I keep thinking, no, no, I've hit maximal love of boss. And then she drops right. this on us. I'm like, totally. I'm like, wait, what is this podcast about anymore? Because I feel like... We just need to just get more of Boss's life theories here. This is unbelievable.
0: Oh, my God. That is so funny.
1: Whatever bird.
2: We talked about T-shirt. Go whatever birds is a hell of a T-shirt. Oh, God. Holy
3: shit. All right. Oh, my God. And then the credits roll on Ted Lasso. I, it, yeah, all right. We
2: should probably so- get out
1: of the open at some point
2: here. Uh, all right. Whew. Dr. Sharon, how are things at work? <laughs> how are you feeling about the upcoming season? Go whatever, birds. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I guess I do sometimes wonder what the heck I'm still doing. This is what uh what Ted's saying. I guess I do wonder what the heck I'm still doing. Um, I mean, I know why I came, but it's the sticking around. I can't quite figure out. And, and Dr. Sharon said, reminds him, you don't quit things. Remember how many times he was, could not start therapy with Dr. Fieldstone, uh, had to go in and out. A lot of anger, a lot of, a lot of rage, but he came back and he said, I don't quit things.
1: Um, I I had a thought around the, the, his asking of that question. I, I loved her response, right? I mean, no one, arguably no one on earth knows Ted, like Dr. Sharon. Um and so great response. But I thought it was fascinating that he said that about why he was there. Because remember, he won with the shockers season one. And I wonder pre season one. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh oh you're saying as his first season as Wichita State Yeah, Yeah, shockers like he showed up there. He took him
1: to the national championship. And they went. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I wonder if some of the frustration from last season that you expressed around the actual coaching part was actually a little bit more of a glimpse into what's missing from Ted's um I'll call it Arsenal nice football reference I didn't mean to make but anyway uh but <laughs> from his from his Arsenal that uh he that is that what comes after that first part once you get in there and you did the dance and everybody's doing the puns and sees you later, and does Ted have a full handle on what to do then? And given his now failed relationship with Michelle, and some of what we gathered about that, I wonder if, frankly, she experienced that. And she was like, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We already did the fucking believe sign. Like, we need to, like, Figure out our strategies or what our set pieces are going to be or whatever it is, and he's still doing Rosa Parks and Rosa Parks and the donuts, and it's like Jesus Christ, man, you know. So I I I feel like there's a little more built into that, and you know, Rosa Parks and the donuts. Remember when Michelle came to visit? Oh 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 oh, you your ideal
2: thing oh Jesus Christ yes your ideal thing would be a donut that tells you about you haven't memorized the
1: entire fucking series I mean what am I I even doing here?
3: I knew exactly what he was doing. I was
1: like, no no I thought I missed like a black cultural reference. No no no, I was like, oh shit. I thought it was a bus. It was after the it was it was right after it was after the bus thing, and they were like, (laughs) here's the thing. Here's the thing, Rosa. A brother wants a cruller up. Can a brother get a color <laughs> up in this motherfucker? <laughs> <coughs>
0: okay.
2: Yeah, um, it's good, good. Uh, like when we when we quote um, uh, black moments. moments in Black history. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, okay. Yes. No. No. That's right. Michelle did say that, and but again, Michelle would also say, "Hey, you're not quitting." She sp- did say, "You're just letting me go."
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: and and Ted, to his credit, is is letting Henry go, and he has mm-hmm. he has uh, he's he's exercising that that muscle, um, mm-hmm. uh, but he doesn't he doesn't have a handle, it seems, on the why of now in his current career, especially in light of the fact, like, why would you choose to be uh, so far away from your child, actively. So, anyway, it's a a pressing uh, concern for Ted. He is, um, you know, wisely talking to his therapist about it. Maybe my being here is doing more harm than help at this point, you know? Um, And what is it the man once said? Coach, this is
1: a really great line. Doubt can only be removed by action. To those... I, I loved, again, you know... You may have guessed I'm in therapy, like, right now, Uh, because I'm just all over this. But, um again, <laughs> I liked that there's this idea, too, that, like, you go, you lay on the couch, you say a bunch of shit into the air, oh, hey, it was my mom, and then you leave, and then eventually you're, like, this adjusted person. And one of the reasons I chose coaching as opposed to studying to become a therapist, in addition to the fact that uh student loan debt is real, is that I wanted to help people achieve the things do the things be the people they want to be not just talk about it and so i love that that was her answer there's like well you're gonna have to get on out there and do something you know you gotta move you gotta see what's up put this to the test so i like i, I like that again just sort of uh, capturing that piece of dr sharon
2: yeah, no, no, listen, I, I, uh, despite all the weirdos in my family and, um, and the, and the brilliant person I end up spending my life with, one universally, um, uh, constant thing in my life has been, um, the importance of action. And I remember, you know, I would, I remember being a little hockey player and and complaining to my dad. And I'd say, you know, they, I'm whatever. I don't remember I was complaining about. Something you, you can imagine me complaining about something. And, uh, I would say like, Oh, I'm not on the first line or I'm not on the or whatever or, or whatever. And my dad would just say, just let your stick do the talking. That's it. Let your stick do the talking. It would just—you don't have to say a word if Mm -hmm. you're scoring goals. You don't have to make a case for yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to lobby anybody. Mm -hmm. If you are doing the work on the ice, people will see it, and and that's the uh, the end of it. And then, um, you know, this is the whole. This is the thing. Duck can only be removed by action, and uh, it's a call to action, and a the type of thing that it seems Dr. Sharon will do to end the conversation. <laughs> like, a, a, here's a period on the end of that sentence. Um, she didn't think she would necessarily get roped into uh, mm. a call, a call with Ted, like a deep call. Uh, and then Ted wonders if he can ask her some personal questions. Um, and uh, what, um, what are the questions that, that Ted throws out at uh, Doctor Fieldstone, boss.
3: Okay, let's see. You dating anyone?
2: And she says, she "Pass."
3: Says, Pat. He says, "Oh, usually you say nope." All right. What <laughs> team are you with right now?
1: Okay, I have to jump in here, and mm-hmm. I don't know if the writers did this on purpose, but I wondered if this was us being introduced to a sexuality conversation. Um, or a sexual orientation kind of conversation. And then it they understood each other, but I was off track. So I just thought that was interesting. Like for a minute, I was like, oh, is Dr. Sharon bisexual? Are we learning something here? And then I was like, oh, oh. no, what team are you on? He's really asking about the team thing. Oh. <laughs> so I just wanted to toss in there that I had I had a moment. <laughs> where I was like, oh. <laughs> no, are you dating someone past? Usually you say, no, what team, are, what you team are you with right now? I'm like, oh, all right. You know, no, 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 no judgments here. Fly that rainbow flag, Dr. Sharon.
3: Oh, I didn't pick up on that at all. And I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So I, you
2: know. uh, No, but Ooh. that was a, that was a, I didn't, I did not. I love that you went there, but I did not do that. I was like, wait, what team? I was like, then, then, I, then I got this flood of, I had to like pause the show. I was like, wait, wait, wait. They let Dr. Sharon go. That's it. she. I'm well, like, she are you was crazy? crazy? I mean, She's a key part of the. Th- it's not like, oh, it, this is exactly the type of thing you're talking about, coach. Like, oh, everybody's fixed. Richard has a mantra. It's got to be good right. now. Like, I'm like, wait, you don't let a key peep person like that go. You lock them up. Which again, always like, and and I'm I'm hoping we don't have to go down this road this season. But I go, you know, Higgy baby. Do your job, yeah. do you, like I love you. Yeah. I love you, but like you want to. Ki- this is at the end, and this is probably my problem with this. Sh- this is terrible, but this is a, sh- a sport. You are you play to win the, game. the game. I mean, you yeah. you know you do try to win, and you put the pieces <clears throat> in place to win. And yeah, uh, it's it's um, everybody has has foibles, but. You missing out on a great Brazilian fullback. Yeah, that was yeah. because of a time zone delay. I, I just go, okay, wait, wait a second. And so, if I'm not mistaken, I thought it was uh, Higgins who who suggested the sports psychologist, and he had heard about Doctor Sharon, brought her in. Um, and so I go, how how did how did this go down? So anyway, I was stunned. I did not expect this, especially in light of internet rumors that. Ted
1: and Dr. Sharon might be a thing, but which we, I never thought. But we knew she left. We knew that much. Yeah. We watched her leave. Well, we didn't watch yeah. her actually, but we watched them say goodbye.
3: Yeah. So her contract was up at the end of the, whatever season it was that season two was ending. Like they only had her for that season is I think what they mentioned at some point.
2: They did. There's a hundred percent, but I thought, Oh, this is a key player on the show. So even find even, a way to
1: bring him back. Yeah. yeah. Her back, rather. So
2: yeah. this was just confirmation yeah. a couple minutes in where I was like, okay, she's, she's gone. She's gone.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I think part of the issue is there were, they brought her in, in specifically to get Danny back on the pitch after uh, his incident with Earl once they realized that other people wanted to talk to her, they kept her on for the season. Was there anybody else at the end of season two who was seeing Dr. Fieldstone besides Ted? And can you justify keeping her on as the team psychologist if it's only the manager who actually needs her services?
2: Okay, like, great. No, no, that's good. You guys are basically uh, Keeley's CFO on this podcast. That's good. I mean... Um, <laughs> I, no, that's good if i'm, I'm, I'm any the only kind of boss that's...
3: it's gonna be a cfo like i'm not in charge of hr that's not my thing I'm no good <laughs> no. at that.
2: yeah no you don't play nice with people that's true no. um <laughs> okay what? usually uh all right what's the what's the uh uh how many else, what is he i uh, keep going with the questions boss he says oh, okay
3: uh how many australians you got on your yep. team yep uh, and she yeah. I think says a
1: few? Nine, I think. Not just nine. 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 And he goes, "Oh, that's
3: yeah. and rugby. like oh, rugby. Oh, you got rugby then. All right. Rugby. What a game. It's like American football and sumo wrestling gave birth to a baby with huge muscular thighs." <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and that's like that's Dr. Sharon. She's like, "Okay, I got to go." It. Like, it's, okay. Like I'm not that. yeah. I'm not around for this. Um
1: so, talk to you later. All right. Bam. Mm, that's it. Now there was there's the moment, and by the way, the the, the seed that was only planted in, in in my warped mind. Um, but so she heads for the bedroom tour and uh you know, she's got a she she's got a friend over. So we yes. we know what the past was about. And I love she has her own version of that Teddish humor because he says, he who was in the bed says, uh, oh, you got off. And she says, not yet I have it. So I thought, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, look at that. Well, fu- one fun, fully human. Somebody's living again, which we didn't get the sense she was doing a whole ton of living when she was doing Richmond. So something's shifted with her. Um, So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I was, you know, and then the sex joke kind of was like, "Ah, oh, look at you. <laughs>
2: I didn't like anything about it. So you didn't whatever. do it. <laughs> no, no. I oh, don't know I why. I, oh, I did.
0: Oh, I thought she I've had I was a like go oh,
2: live your life. Oh. I every was happy time. that she's got somebody. That was nice. Uh, something about Doctor. Again, I don't. I do not understand. I I go back and forth with her all the time. And then, and then I she's just got this terse personality that um, I should have been from the Midwest. That's the, or or what I. I you know what I mean? Like, because yes. I really think it's like I—I I thought she, it was rude. Where when she was like, "Okay, yeah, I gotta go," like later, It's like I don't need to hear your stupid like shit. I, I, I just cannot. think like oh my, oh, shit, it always hurts my feelings whenever she just snub snuffs Ted out like that, and I just go okay, like I whatever. So so you know it, that, that's that's a residue of other things that I you know I I cannot get over her closing the door in his face that <laughs> it's first. So Oh I cannot. I'm just like, why would you do that? That is horrific. Like, I would never get over someone closing the door. I don't care. I, like whatever. Anyway, doesn't matter. Did you guys uh, notice that when Ted was walking, uh, he was like, "Hey, I know this guy, is Leaky Diapers,"
1: mm-hmm. and, and I
2: was like, mm-hmm. "Oh man, he t- he touched somebody else's little kid." I mean, granted, it was like you know, super good nature, but I was like, wow, like you just don't, you just don't see that very much. I
1: don't know. Did you get the sense? Because I actually tried to decide this, and it it plays different from me. It it is it it happened right, so it's not like I'm gonna go back and advise Ted not to do it. But did you (laughs) get the sense that this was just a baby, or that this might this would be someone who he's bumped into this mom and this kid, like that these that he's bumped into them in the park before, like they've got a yeah. There's a reason why uh, that happened, Coach, because.
2: The the uh, woman pushing the the carriage and the little adorable child that uh, Ted makes a big deal of are actually Brendan Hunt's real life wife, Shannon, and that is their little boy, Sean, uh, the cool little dude in the in the uh, carriage. So that's why it was more than just a, a chance meeting.
1: Y- yeah, yeah, you know, because like it felt more like when remember when he bumped into the kid who he had signed the uh the bloody soccer ball. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. It, it had it felt like that moment to me, which kind of made me think. Well, nah, he, they may know each other. Already. He walks outside, and like the wanker guy gives him the finger.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's switching things <laughs> yes. up. So,
2: so, but I was new like, material. I was like, wait a second,
3: why would he? Uh,
2: this is this. So the choice, and, and, you know, we'll get into, you know, what's going on in this episode. But the the choice uh, of how people view AFC Richmond after they are promoted, I, I'm mm-hmm. stunned that he gets the thing. You know, I was like, wait, that's what I get. <laughs> like, oh, but I,
1: I get the feeling, like, he just strikes me as, like, a miserable fan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, you Like, know, no matter what, uh, he's, yeah. yeah. If he or. won the cup, it'd be like, ah, oh, let's see if they do it again. You know what I mean? Like within an hour, like it'd be yeah. an hour of revelry. And then it'd be, you know, back to I'm miserable. Got that it. is
3: literally every Bears fan I can <laughs> think of. Like, have I, have yeah, I told you thing. guys about when I no. saw Jay Cutler recording a radio show on Michigan Avenue in Chicago? No.
1: I don't think so.
3: So, yeah, I think it was on ESPN radio. And I'm walking past. And I'm like, oh, it's Jay Cutler out oh, there in the window. I see him. And the guy's behind me. One guy goes, oh, hey, look, it's Jay Cutler. And his buddy goes, fuck Jay Cutler. And he goes, come on. He was the quarterback. You could be a little impressed. And his buddy goes, and he could have been better at his job. And then I would be impressed. Fuck Jay oh Cutler. Oh, my God. Wow. Yes. And and yeah. Jay Cutler was the best quarterback we've had since I yeah. was a child. Yeah. And fuck that guy because he didn't do it well enough.
1: Well, yeah. Sorry. It's a real it's a real thing. <laughs> there's a there's a man named Charles Smith right now, played for the Knicks. I'm sure he's a lovely human being. He couldn't get the layup up past Pippin, Jordan, and uh Grant. We would have gone up three one. No, that would have made it two two. The the course of NBA history could have been different if yeah. this guy would have just grabbed a goddamn ball and dunked it. But <laughs> I'm fine and balanced and not like the wanker guy, so obviously I've processed that. You've let that go. <laughs> I've let it, totally let it go.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sports fans are complicated. Um I, uh, I remember, you know, for the 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 big curse of the Bambino thing in in, New, in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. I almost said New York. Uh, I'm so,
3: sorry, who? The curse of who?
2: Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. the, but <laughs> you know, the, there was a in the '86 World Series. It was you know a uh, famed a uh, Golden Glove uh, player, Bill Buckner, let the ball go through his legs, and that was the end yep. uh, for the Red right Sox. And so for about you know people complained about it, and then. Within a few years, it so happened that like if you dared to say shit anywhere in the greater Boston area about Billy Buckner, you'd get punched. Like you'd get hit because people like the guy's a fucking legend, guy. Like what are you talking about? You don't know shit. Oh like, really? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It went the other way. Like it almost was. Uh, uh... It's good. This is the, which is a good segue because we're gonna we're gonna see someone choose to go far the other way as a tactic later mm-hmm, in this episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great.
2: Okay, so after that, Ted um, heads back to the facility and on a, a tiny blink if you miss it kind of moment, um, the facility has been renamed the Earl Greyhound Training Facility um, as a shout out to the dear departed um, AFC Richmond mascot who was um, unfortunately gotten in the on the business end of a uh, of, uh, Danny Rojas uh, penalty shot. Now we, um, are, are with Rebecca and Higgins in Rebecca's office. Um, and what is the, uh, discovery that they find, uh, not a discovery, but what is the realization that Higgins is seeing across the media, every media outlet, um, about the upcoming season coach.
1: They are universally chosen to finish dead last as in 20th, uh, in the premier league. And so obviously nobody wants to hear that. So there's a lot, there's a lot of upset. There's a lot of consternation around them being chosen by everybody to finish last.
2: Yeah. And season one, Rebecca was, uh, aimed at finishing last and, uh, and with a bullet and season two, Rebecca, uh, seemed to be, um, uh, motivated to to not definitely not finish last, but season three Rebecca is actively pissed off about it. it it's very every newspaper, every television pundit, every lonely middle aged sports blogging loser writing in his mother's basement. Uh, to which uh, Higgins says, "What, boss? No, Rebecca, that
3: stereotype really isn't true anymore." For example, our 10-year-old Terry started writing a sports blog in our kitchen, which we now call his home office for tax purposes. And I don't want to get into British tax law, but it would need to be at least a quarter of the entire house in order for that to count as a home office. I
1: love you so just- much. <laughs> I'm shaking my head.
2: I hated everything you just said. Um- I cannot
3: believe Castleton is the one that brought us together. He hates uh, so much sometimes. You know, the,
2: two, the two of you. This is a big mistake. This is a big mistake. All right. Well, anyway, I apologize for the generalization, says says Rebecca. Um. Uh, where does your son have us finishing? And Ted, I mean, Um. Uh, sorry, Higgins does the gag sound. Now, the gag sound is what? Is indicative of what? Can we refresh everyone's memory about what the gag sound signifies for Higgins?
1: I'll jump in on that one. It's when Higgins has something he's not supposed he's holding in. He's not good at that of uh the withholding. It's not fully dishonesty, but yeah, he he wants to tell the truth. So anytime he can't just tell the truth. <sighs> okay.
2: Yeah. Specifically. Yes, it's definitely not dishonesty. It's, it's a social construct where he feels compelled to swallow the truth or something like that. Is that right, boss?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's not dishonesty because he isn't telling a flat out lie. It is a form of deception though, I guess, is the way that he feels about it. I think about it as being family polite, extended family polite. You don't need to tell everybody everything all of the time is how I would say it. But he feels the need to be more uh, forthright than I am, I suppose.
2: I, I My concern is that – the reason I establish it now is because my concern is um, I feel like the top – or the um, sort of reasoning behind the gag reflex might be migrating a tiny bit. And so I just wanted to make sure I understood mm-hmm. what you guys thought, because later mm-hmm. in the episode mm-hmm. – I just want to make sure that it's still on the same through line. Um, Okay. So uh, uh, Ted comes in and um, there's no um, rhyming salutation. And so Rebecca knows uh, something is wrong. Um, And he says, Way to notice Mr. Otis. Which, yes, Bone and I, uh, Boss and I are shaking our heads. 'Cause we love um rhymes for no particular reason. <laughs> oh, we skipped over the fact that uh when Henry uh was leaving his dad, he did a little rhyme. Do you
1: remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, but that that was part of my oh, this is this is six weeks of one on one intensive Ted right. on display. But uh, right. uh yeah. Just
2: I'll, parroting the kind mm-hmm. of t- the cadence of his dad's Okay, so anyway, way to notice Mr. Otis. Uh, yeah, Henry went back to Kansas City this morning. He talks about he t- dropped him off a little while ago at the airport. Now he's up on a plane 10,000 feet in the sky. Uh, and, and Rebecca says that planes probably fly higher than that. And Higgins says, definitely. Well, I'm down here on Earth checking my phone every 10 minutes, watching this plane get farther and farther away. Well, yeah, i mean you come in here and, and uh, tinkle on your toenails again. right I, I i i direct you back with all the love in the world for the show i direct you back to um do you believe in ghost ted i uh i do but mostly what coach
1: i think it's important they believe in themselves
2: that right that is the that's the standard that they set granted they had 10 years to write that first season and 8 minutes to write this one and so they're all universally forgiven but uh tinkle on your toenails i was like what is th-? anyway it doesn't matter um well okay uh what's the buzz well apparently everyone alive has picked richmond to finished in 20th place this season except the daily mirror higgins relates uh which has fishing 20 lth uh adorable de- but devastating uh typo um okay well, you know what? I predict all their predictions are going to come or aren't going to come true. Um, so it looks like we got ourselves a prediction Mexican standoff, or as they call them in Mexico, prediction standoff. <laughs> that <laughs>
1: is from heavy of, duty dad's dad humor, man. I cannot Holy believe it,
3: that I am the one that hates the like. I follow a Twitter account that's just dad puns, and the avatar is Bob Belcher from Bob's Burgers, and all of those things that are my favorite. And sometimes I do send them to Coach Castleton, and still, this isn't doing it for me. I'm not yeah. loving it.
2: They're immediately deleted, and I give the phone the finger, hoping oh. that it will go through to you <laughs> when I see you, that.
3: Number one, I, I can teach pumps. you about emojis, because you could just send that to me as a tiny little oh, picture. I could teach you that. But number two, I thought that you were going to say, I give the phone away, which would be even better, that I had somehow (laughs) ruined your phone to the point that it needed to be disposed of. A new phone. Mm -hmm. There
2: There was a Please Don't Destroy video on one of the last SNLs where they the dude sees his two buddies in there and he texts them and they look at the phone and then throw (laughs) it away. Like, like just by him having texted. Okay. So Rebecca uh, is, is in her mood and, and she says to Ted, you know, we're, everyone's picking us to be dead last. Um, And even worse, they're picking Rupert to, to, you know, be in the top four or win it all. I forget what she says. Um, And uh, Ted responds. It's, this is a, this is a a Ted thing. And he goes, Mm -hmm. Rupert's going
1: to play this year, <laughs> right? And what does that remind you of, Coach? Uh, in season one, actually, yeah. When uh, when uh, Rebecca lets him know that she spoke to the owner of the Sun, and he exclaims, "You talk to God?" <laughs> and uh, I still laugh. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So yeah. So they're at both, at any rate, it, they're it, both it's very at. Ted.
2: Yeah, they're both directed at Rebecca. Mm -hmm. But he just does that thing. It's pretty quick. Uh, It's a pretty quick reaction to that. And then he goes on to keep correcting her about, um, you know, it's they, not him.
1: Yeah, she's pretty locked in there. I mean, they they definitely make sure we get it. Um, Yeah, I wasn't sure how I felt in that scene. Like, part of me was with Rebecca and got that, like, hey, a good rivalry can be a great thing. And then part of me also was hearing Ted, which was like, we need to, like, make sure we're focused on the actual competition and not whether you or your husband, you know, wins the death match." So I thought it was kind of, it was interesting to me. Um, And Ted is like, huh, Rupert.
2: Um, And coach, uh, can you refresh our memory about what team Rupert is involved with?
1: Uh, Rupert is now. The owner of West Ham, which uh, also explained the giving up of the shares to Rebecca so generously at her father's funeral. Right. Right. That was
2: lovely of him. He's a wonderful, wonderful man.
1: I, every time, so
2: sometimes we're lulled into this wonderful dream world by Ted Lasso, where um, I'm the only one that points out, I believe, that um, Rebecca has a chauffeur. And a Rolls Royce, a chauffeur who, who the show doesn't deign to ever show us. Um, and I'm always like, it really, really sort of is a beat of concern for me. And then I thought, Rupert lost everything. Or, uh, sorry, half of everything, right? Um, or half of his – supposedly, I guess we can't ever know. But he he lost a sizable chunk of money – and a premier league or or uh guess champions league team right um and still had enough money to buy west ham (laughs) and i was like that is sickening amount of money um so um rupert is now uh the owner of a team that is, is is predicted to finish uh incredibly high um in the premier league everybody thinks they're better than us um and Consistently, Rebecca is referring to West Ham as Rupert, and Ted keeps correcting her uh, to to depersonalize it and call it West Ham or them. Um, and she says, "Yeah, yeah, that's what I said." So, what's the plan? How are we going to beat him?
3: You know, you mentioned earlier in this scene that Rebecca seems legitimately pissed at this point. Um, That The first season, she wanted them to lose. The second season, she really wanted them to win. This season, she is furious that they are not or that they aren't predicted to. I don't think that this is the way that it's going to go. But I always wondered what would have happened if they had explored Rebecca taking on the only thing that Rupert ever loved or cared about, the Richmond team, and it becoming the only thing that she loves or cares about or shows any concern to. And so not that this is her becoming Rupert, because I think that, that would be overly simple, but at least showing some character development that Rebecca understands how this man that she fell in love with at some point could have done that to her and to himself. But getting into that would be really interesting for me. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would like to see it.
2: I'm with you. I mean, I was hoping that that this would happen during the cerithium oil era, where she would like really embrace her role. Um, and now, listen, I, um, okay, one of the benefits that I, for me, as a person who will completely immerse themselves in material to hide from the misery of my daily existence, um, is that I, <laughs> <laughs> is that I, um, I not knowing what was was what I was expecting in in this season, not having seen trailers or anything like that, I'm completely like a blank slate. I'm open to any the road going any which way, and and I was like, wait a sec, Rebecca's like overly intense in this, like off the like I was like, whoa, 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 like right away, uh, it felt like okay, what what version of Rebecca are we getting, um, and, and what what is the new sort of Oh God! There was the, there were these moments where Keeley – okay, we've talked in the past about how Keely and Rebecca come from different socioeconomic classes, and how somehow it's a beautiful um, female friendship, and how there are just these these beats where it, you remember at the end of um, of the auction episode where they're riding off getting drunk in the back of the of the rickshaw there, right? And it's just these. Rebecca had to learn to let go and she had to learn to not obsess and not prioritize in, in every interaction with Sassy. Uh, we found Rebecca learning to, um, take responsibility for her, the choices she made or the non choices she didn't make and, and sort of, um, to take ownership of that. And in doing so, it felt to me as a viewer, like she was also sort of, um, uh, exercising the spirit of Rupert from her daily life, and in in opening this season with a with a r- new focus, um, I found it off putting. Under I found it understandable because you do want a big bad, and Rupert is the big bad. Um, you know we need to. S- I I won't be satisfied. Uh, we talked about expectations this season. I won't be satisfied until we see the final boss fight. Um, the final boss fight, based on what I expect from ted lasso and all the all the the sort of markers they've given us is not uh between ted and rupert it's not the darts battle reimagined it is between rebecca and rupert and stop me if i'm going off the rails at all that's what i expect um the the final boss fight for ted i would think would be um i'm guessing they're setting up as a as a nate thing Um, and it's not a fight. It's the whole point of it is to, I think, bring Nate somehow back in the fold or Nate to realize something. And that's the, whatever, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, I could be totally wrong, but, but with regard to Rebecca, I just found her energy really surprising
1: coming out of the gate. She's just real intense. All
0: right.
1: Now that you say that, I don't find myself going, Oh, that's crazy. I disagree with that. I guess I experienced it a bit differently in that, you know, here's Mr. All I do is sit around and watch my daughter and my wife, which, I mean, at the time was such a freaking eye roll. Anyway, <laughs> like, I just, ugh, like, puke. Like, like I love, I, between Coach Castleton and me, I don't know that you're going to get two people who stake more of what they think of themselves on fatherhood And if and if Coach Castleton said that to me, I would guffaw sure that he has got to be kidding. Like, (laughs) are you kidding me? Like what? So I so so when Rupert then goes, I mean, he's like he's he is relentless, which is a word they both use in terms of wanting to punish each other. He is relentless. He buys a piece of um, Richmond thinking, all right, this is how I'll screw her. And then Ted, White Knights in there, we get darts, and now he's like, that's not gonna work. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll buy another fucking team and we'll you know what I mean? I just so I kind of, although yes, she needs to be able to separate the team from him, he has made it personal. Like he 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 reentered the the, the text uh the thread as they say, you know?
3: Yeah, I feel like the beginning part of season two, after Rebecca had apologized to Ted and come clean and explained what she had been doing, there was an it it did feel a little bit put to rest for her, at least. And then the end of season two, we find out that he's purchased West Ham and that the only thing that she has left at this point, like she was cheated on and divorced and her husband is married to a younger Rebecca with a child. Like, And because of her own sort of baggage around the divorce and her dad and other things, she's not interested in a romantic relationship right now. At the end of season two, she had her job and Keely and everybody that she knows is related to her job. Like having her ex-husband come in and blow up the last thing that she has in the form of buying a team and stealing a coach felt like he was resetting the competition like he was starting that battle up again
1: yeah yes yeah yeah nabbing yeah nabbing Nate definitely plays into the like if we only do two things this season <laughs> <laughs> like that 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 had that vibe for me i could definitely yeah. see a meeting in the beginning of the season like let me explain something to you we can go and yeah. a fucking thousand but if we don't beat West Ham I'll kill yes. all of you and then myself. Like let, let me make myself perfectly clear. Like you know, mm-hmm. so I got it. I mean, I, I I have concerns, but I I got it. Okay.
2: Well, you you wisely point out that Rebecca ends the season with Keeley and um and her team. Right. That's it. That's all she's got is Keeley and the team. Am I saying that right, boss? Okay. Um. So um, you know, she uh, Higgins suggests, hey, maybe it's a good time to put out. Update our roster a little bit, put more firepower on the team. Um, I was like, "Oh, oh, Higgins is considering doing his job." In that, in that, uh, that adorable. <laughs> um, uh, there's a, a line that I know I've said before. Um, there are two kinds of coaches. Coach, you remember this one?
1: I'm not. I'm not placing that. The two types of coaches. I, I've, I think I've said it before here. There's it's a yeah. it's
2: a sort of a of a. Um, negative connotation about coaches but the 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 the, uh, the the line says there are two kinds of coaches coaches who coach great players and, and coaches ex-coaches yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, and so whenever anyone thinks about putting more firepower on the team i always go yes that would be a, a prudent thing to explore right. uh leslie and and uh that, that's what uh that's what rebecca says um Let's put out some feelers, shall we? I was like, feeler? Like, okay, all right. Like, whatever. I don't, okay. Um, uh, Ted says he comes out in what felt like opposition to that concept. Um, I know Roy and Coach Beard are working on some new tactics, and, you know, the fellas we got are already doing real nice. I think we're going to do just fine
1: this season. Uh, And I think the just fine All right. So, in, 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 in da, 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 so that'll be season one. So, season one, we have Beard pretty much say, like, hey, wake up. Like, we're, we're, we are actually in the pros now. Like, this isn't, you know, when we can't just approach it as, like, well, as long as they become good young men. And it feels like another moment where Ted's natural inclination to, Just focus on everybody being their best selves, um, which is important, uh, but can't be all that's important is coming to the fore. And I thought it was telling that he almost seemed he almost seemed to not understand the message Henry was giving him when he gave him that Lego cup. Right. And I and and I don't think Beard would have missed that message.
2: No, he did. He didn't. In fact, like Henry has to repeat the message in. He has to spell it out later in the episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah, 100, you're 100 right. Yes,
1: yeah. So I just think you know. So at any rate, I, I I I heard him, and I've had that gut feeling before of like, hey, we've got the talent in the room. But I think because we have good enough talent in the room, doesn't mean that you don't look to figure out can we upgrade.
2: Well, this is the whole thing, Coach. What is the what is the top? the top uh, tier of John Wooden's coaching pyramid. Competitive greatness. At which was changed eventually to what? Love. Right.
0: Yep.
2: Is, is it possible? It to
0: love. Yep.
2: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I would posit that there's a chance that Coach Lasso um, is more focused on building love in everyone around him. A love for the sport, love for each other. Like he's, he's about building wonderful people through which he imagines that they will find, he believes not mm-hmm. imagines. Mm-hmm. He believes that they will find a methodology to also secure victory.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it always feels flawed to me. And I, mm-hmm. this is when last year I would say, man, what is the lasso way? <laughs> like, cause mm-hmm. it seemed like when they called him wanker, it didn't face him at all. He didn't care. I remember that he never cared a wit, mm-hmm. uh, Never even face him. When if this team's going to go, the road to that has to go through that man's heart. He he knew every. You know, remember Beard? Oh, he's going to be so angry. You know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. They had this. Mm -hmm. They had this system. Mm -hmm. And then last year, I started questioning. Wait, do they do they have a system? And Ted started to go through some stuff, and it looked like, oh man, uh, he's really checked out. Um, and. Uh, I always get nervous whenever – when you're you're a business owner of any kind, let's say – it doesn't matter what business. Let's say it's mowing lawns, right? Mm -hmm. And you decide your job is um, getting the customers, let's say, and you don't know how to actually push the lawnmower. Mm. It's tough because – people can take advantage of you and you got workers who know better than you do about the mm-hmm. business you own and I've seen it firsthand mm-hmm. um not with things you know places I've worked and 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 um and and you know people I've worked for and that sort of thing and there's some of that where he goes I know Roy and Coach Beard are working on some new tactics. I'm like, why aren't you there rolled working up with, with your them. sleeves working with them on the new ta- like I just never understand. So I go, okay, yeah. is this part of the lasso way? So anyway, I'm I'm putting that because we're starting the season. I'm putting out some some thoughts, and then hopefully people can percolate uh, with the, with the ideas, and and we'll see what we're gonna do. But this the 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 terminology we are gonna do just fine mm-hmm. is not acceptable yeah. in a professional sporting environment.
1: No, no. I, I don't think. No. Well, so yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on that. We'll have more opportunity to speak on it, but I think it's important to, to highlight this. When people, I think people, and maybe Ted here, misunderstands the the spirit of it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. That is true, but only if you played to win. So if yeah. we run a 100-yard dash yes. and I walk, then in... That's not me yeah. like understanding life better. That's me not fucking running. <laughs>
0: like, yes. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so sometimes with Ted, I'm like, <laughs> you can't walk the hundred because you feel like it's gonna show people to like stop and smell the roses. It's, it's got you have to teach the lessons in the context of going after the thing. And sometimes he loses that part.
3: He's really yes. good
1: at the dominoes in, in Roy's heart, but he's not always on top of the other piece. Um, the, the strategy thing didn't bother me as much. And it's probably my American football, you know, brain going like, yeah, defensive coaches are off doing everything and the offensive coach, you know, so I, I, I didn't mind that kind of more CEO kind of whatever position, but I agree with you that, um, yeah, it feels, it, it feels like that's not on his mind at all. Um, yeah
2: and you remember yeah. him running you remember the metaphor of him running is a longer run than i thought and, and yes. you know metaphor and it's like okay yeah i think he's on that run now
0: mm-hmm. and
2: and and rebecca you know is, I, I think you're right that he doesn't read the room properly he also doesn't read rebecca's intensity at all and at she all. goes hey like fine it, it, the team doing just fine is a far cry from and we're sitting with each other and you said you're gonna win the whole fucking thing yeah mm-hmm. and he goes whoa 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 did i really say that or no, no. Uh, Higgins says, "Whoa, whoa, right?" And mm-hmm. and he goes, "Did I really say that?" Like, yes, you did. Over there, after the Man City loss, uh, you know, just before you blasted half a liter of Pellegrino on <laughs> <in> my face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I
1: loved it. Was yes. that? Can I just pause this for a second? For me, that was perfect because it was just the left... The for me, the right level of pissed off about it. Like. -hmm. We can remember it as a joke, but if you are that if you are Rebecca, he did spit all that water in your face. Like what the hell was that about? So anyway, I just thought she delivered that perfectly and like blasted and you know, like that was her experience of that moment. And yes. I have I yes, okay. So let me clarify one more thing. I have no
2: problem with this version of Rebecca. I kind of like it. It was closer Mm -hmm. to what I would be as the owner of a of a team. But I I guess I missed a building block along the way. I, I guess uh the, the the show runners and the and the producers and the and the writing staff must have known, okay, we need to get to this point on the horizon. And what does that mean for where we can start out with Rebecca? And I wasn't prepared for to jump to jump I, ahead I to I where she you. is now. I think that's all it is. Um uh that said, um that's that's the Ted Lasso I want coaching my team this season, the one who's willing to fight. Uh understood. Yes, ma'am. Um, you watch from now on, I'll be Okay, understood, yes, ma'am, and then right into Flandersisms, um, which, of course, they talked about later in the episode. Like, they directly referenced Ned Flanders, which I'm like, wow. Um, yeah, I'll be, uh, oh, this is this is a
1: uh, Muhammad Ali uh, uh, reference, right, Coach? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. What and, does it say? Yeah, well, I'll be floating like a butterfly and, and stinging like a bee, except I won't die immediately after using my stinger. Plan on floating for the entire season.
2: <laughs> look, look at, uh, yeah, uh, boss is just not having it. I, I oh, I just is it the right time <laughs> right there to to yuck it up with, with your pissed off boss? I, I,
3: not just that he's yucking it up right there, but also that literally after she says you need to fight more, he's like, okay, great. Let me quote Muhammad Ali talking about how he's going to be such a great boxer, how he's going to fight so well. He's going to float around his opponent and then punch him in the face. And what Ted immediately does is say, yeah, I'm going to float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well, actually, just float. Actually, I'm just going to do the floating. I'm just going to float around like a pretty little butterfly and have no fight or sting or bite to me whatsoever. Like immediately goes back on his word.
2: Huh. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I did not read it that way. I thought he. I no, no. I get it. I get what you're saying. He definitely says I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna play the float instinct for the tired of the whole thing. I get that. I don't know if he goes back. on – Anyway, what I, I mean, what I heard is she references fighting, and he goes he his whatever that how his brain works, and we all know people like this, and they're marvelous. Is it just he accesses the fight portal? The fight folder He's like, fight. Okay. Yeah. Muhammad Ali is a fighter. Hey, I'm going to float. Like I just think I just see that that connective tissue. Um, and then he thinks mid sentence. Oh, actually when a bee stings, then he dies and he's got to adjust for it. And he's awkward and Ted Lassoy. Um,
3: I, I mean, I shouldn't say go back on his word, but she is saying give me more. And he's like, Oh, yes. Yeah, Here I'm going to give this to you. Well, like it is a pullback of a bit.
1: Yeah. I think it's also, uh, it's an energy pullback as much as the language, right? Like when you're at your most intense, right? You're not like throwing around analogies and metaphors. You're like, I'm going to kick your ass. You're not like, you know what I mean? So like, you're still not feeling me, Ted. Like this is the part where we envision ripping their heads from their shoulders and you're like playing poetry games.
3: Yes. And you are still doing your, what turned out into a Flanderism. Like it started with a saying and then it ended with, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but actually- F- Flanders would say, oh, a bee is not going to do that. Like, th- at that point, then you say, so I guess I'm going to sting like a wasp over and over and over again until I've killed my opponent.
1: There you go. And
3: in his case, he's like, no, just going to be the butterfly.
1: Yeah. No, he, he's definitely not buying into that piece of it. And I do think I i I, ma- I think it has mattered all along. And I think it will be a part of what we're going to see between that first close up that we've mentioned and the last one that we all think is coming. Yes.
3: And actually, there's something similar to this that comes up in the next scene. So I'm going to hold it until then. But I do have a bridge back to this.
2: Thank you. Um, uh, I would say, uh, what does fighting look like for Ted Lasso? What does that concept look like? Because later on, we're going to see a direct order from Rebecca to fight, fight back. We're going to see that. And, and you see how how that lands with Ted. So we had established uh, at the end of last season, all uh, Rebecca had was, was Keeley and the team. Um, she's now uh, uh, sort of aligned the team to her expectations accordingly. And she's, all right, excuse me. I have a very punch- important lunch meeting with one Miss Keeley Jones for some much-needed girl talk. And Ted says, what,
1: uh, Coach? Tell her we said howdy and... And he points over to Higgins, who wasn't expecting the assist, and goes, <laughs> "Yo." So, it's very awkward. <laughs> they kind of sorted out oh. after uh, Rebecca heads off. But uh, yes, it was howdy and yo, as one does. If you're
2: Rebecca, and I talked about <laughs> Christ Almighty, we talked about this in the, cons- in, the in the if as Rebecca. Working with Ted, and we talked about it as Michelle being married to Ted. Like, how many yes and no interactions, and like interactions that can be handled in six syllables? Are you going to stand for hearing forty-eight syllables? Right? Ooh, like,
3: I don't. Uh, hey, 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 Castleton, this is Kettle. You're black. <laughs> 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 uh.
1: This is the highlight of my day.
2: Are you? So you're saying we we are taking too long I, to talk about things?
1: I, I am are saying collectively, this the is three a deep, of us. This is a deep dive uh, that regularly yeah. is six times longer than the uh, wow. episode itself. So I, I would say, boss, at least has a point. <laughs> okay. In fairness. Um, uh, uh,
2: okay. My um, yeah. I, if I was Rebecca in that mood, walking out the door, and and I would get stopped one more time. Maybe it's just like a byproduct of the fact that you're an aunt and I'm a dad, mm-hmm. and then like you just don't have those interrupts. There's like just you know, like literally, you know, like one of the greatest gifts you can give to any parent is uh letting them go to the store without the kids because everything oh. gets done in seven seconds. But if the kids are there, it's four and a half hours because for whatever reason, all this artificial stoppage time takes yeah. place, right? And so I'm reacting to that where I go, oh, well, she's literally she's like, okay, excuse me, I'm going. And he's like, hey, blah, 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 blah. Like whatever it is like, and then hold up. My friend here is gonna, gonna. I'm like, just let me walk out the goddamn door. Oh, Yes. All right. Anyway, that's what I was reacting to. Okay. So anyway, no, we I, are.
3: I will jump in and say, even though I'm an aunt, I'm also a babysitter. And why can children not get the shoes on their feet? I'm not, I'm not talking about how oh, they can't tie them no. or they can't put them on the right oh feet. I'm talking about how, when you try to put a shoe onto a child's foot, it goes limp. Why is that? No. So I do understand what you're saying. I really do. Yeah.
2: It's intelligent design. Um. So to get you to hold their leg more. Um, so, um, uh, I like the Ted said he's not judging, uh, he's just like clarifying with Higgins and I like that little beat. Oh, I'm not judging. I, I love it. I just want to make sure I heard it right. Um, okay. Now we're in the, uh, we're in the, uh, we move to the AFC Richmond Greyhound squad where, um, Isaac is reacting. It's the people are milling around, having a good time in the locker room, and Isaac is reacting to the fact that they are being ranked, you know, the lowest uh, in the league. So both um, Rebecca in the upstairs uh, suite and the uh, and the and the boys down in the locker room are reacting to preseason predictions. And I was trying to remember, I, like, I, I don't know, one of the big issues with sports. I mean, coach and I will attest like uh, you know in our fantasy football league, they pick teams, you know, every year, like, oh, this will be the worst team in the league and then invariably they're just not, you know, they just never get it right. Uh so I don't know why people put so much stock in who's going to finish last in the Premier League. Maybe it's easier to predict, maybe it's a different dynamic there, but um there's a nice moment where um the person who likes to give joy for free in the locker room says, maybe they're (laughs) trying to motivate us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I always want to hug Danny. I always want to hug Danny. And then the,
2: um, the, the, um, yeah, Danny's the best, uh, football is life. And then the, the great, the golden son of, uh, AFC Richmond, the, the, the true, uh, outside of Roy Kent, the true uh, Ted Lasso success story, Jamie Tart. Um, the writers do like sort of a head fake here because his line is, "Guys, we're together, and together, we got me."
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rehabilitation of Jamie Tart is my favorite thing. It really I love is it so much. I
1: mean, it really is. If if ever there was a, a, a billboard for the lasso way, I mean, Jamie's face has got to be big and centered, right? I mean, like, it's pretty amazing. It's so funny because if that was Coach's team, Coach Bishop's team,
2: he'd be like, great. He'd put it up on every bulletin board and he would just use it as a motivational tool. He's like, good. The more people that doubt us, the better. They'll never see us coming. This is just a tool that we use. and like but then again coach bishop is such a great coach that does not matter what appeared in the thing he would use this he would figure out a way to use it and turn it into kinetic energy because he is brilliant um so anyway i was just like okay like these guys are really reacting to this but they just moved up in the league they're the lowest ranked team i'm like i don't know why this is a th- shocker and then yeah i mean god helped. in the got-
1: champion league a minute ago so yeah
2: yeah God help anyone who thinks that because then you're aligned with Jan Moss, who's just like statistically uh most so teens funny. get real right mm-hmm. um anyway, so uh Colin says um uh you know he got he got accosted on the street uh by someone uh, a woman telling him he should fake an injury so he wouldn't have to deal with the misery <laughs> and uh you know was it uh who was it uhumbercats
1: um, yeah tell her to fuck off right yeah. and what does he say? uh no she was a nun which yeah colin i'm always here for it with colin like colin they just like no we're gonna tell you a joke like we're gonna tell you a goddamn joke and he just he does a great job with it whether he's drinking after a concussion whether like he just is just great at delivering those every time we called him out last season like just a
2: phenomenally skilled actor um I'm still mad at Bumba for the own goal last season against uh, Man City. I still not, not over that. Um <laughs> I just hold grudges. That's, That's it. Funny. Um so um uh so they so they, <laughs> they he, re- he suggests that they must get sky sports in the monasteries, <laughs> which <laughs> it cracked me up. Um and then uh, you know, Jan Moss chirps in. Uh, you know, statistically speaking, you know, most teams get promoted, get relegated the very next year. That's what happens. It's probably Premier League, it's just statistics, man. Isaac isn't having it. Um, and then we cut to the coaches room. And what has happened in the coaches room, boss, that Roy is is uh, is telling um
3: Oh, he Coach finally he finally watched it. And uh Gene Hackman was good as a drunk easer. But just I, I did have one question: Why the fuck is it called Hoosiers?
1: Yeah, that was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. I, movie. Was a, I was ahead of it appropriately, and the question made me laugh. I,
3: uh, I knew see, it.
2: I knew it. I saw it coming. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I apologies to my brother in law, who um, his daughter, my niece. Obviously, that's how relationships work. Uh, one of the first things that she said was, "Who who Hoosiers." Uh, I still didn't see it coming. Still wow. did not. He 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 is a Hoosier, and I still did not see it coming. Sorry, Larry.
2: Wow, yeah, that's terrible. Um, mm. Hey, uh, what's the frequency, Roy Kenteth?
3: <sighs> so okay, no this this is not one that I care for. what's the frequency, Kenneth? Excellent REM song. Yes, which was <laughs> I can't remember right now, but um. I think maybe the guy who shot Robert Kennedy, if I remember correctly, somebody an assassin said that and that's right. then REM wrote the song about it. And so making it what's the frequency Roy Kenteth? It doesn't make any goddamn it already didn't make any goddamn sense because it was something that a crazy person said and then he went ahead and reduced it to mumbles.
2: There there are I mean <clears throat> Sometimes there's placeholder jokes that end up being permanent <laughs> jokes. <laughs> there I go, Woof. okay. Wait, <laughs> wait, you, shot it, you
0: yeah. shot it with that in there? You shot it with
3: that in there? The number of times that I turned in actually printed paper essays in high school where the title was in all caps saying, replace this title later, is embarrassing for me, even 20 years later.
2: Well, you wonder if the staff is uh, making a commentary if they are so talented, which we have high, give them high marks, uh, that they are showing that the quality of Ted's jokes has waned because he's distracted. So, you know, are they low effort jokes because he doesn't have the time to really, really be Ted Lasso like season one Ted Lasso? Um, I don't know. We're gonna find out. Maybe there's maybe there, there'll be an a joke arc. Please, heavenly Jesus, um, have that be the case. Um, but, <laughs> but um, okay, so so Ted walks into to his office. He says, what's up, sweetie pies? Which I was like, okay, okay. Roy, Roy and Beard are his sweetie pie. I mean, like, whew. And, be- okay, we have just heard these guys talking about the movie Hoosiers. And the three of us always try to give as much credit as we can to the writing staff because we think they're very, very talented. And in the, in the, um, history of television, this is one of the smartest and most, and, uh, most sort of intuitively and, and cleverly written shows. Um, at least that we, that we are aware of. And, um, so we're always looking for the writing staff hiding things in plain sight. And something that jumped out to me that I want to mention is Hoosier. By mentioning Hoosiers in the first episode, you have to think, okay, that might be part of the spine of this season. They're trying to tell us something. Also, Coach Beard is reading at his desk. And do you know what he's
1: reading?
3: I do not.
1: Yeah, I didn't okay. register it, which I usually try to he pick re- those up. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Right. He is reading The
2: Miracle of Castel Di Sangro. Do you know what that is? I do By not. Joe McInnes. It is a story about an American um, journalist who was in Italy and followed around a ragtag team of Italian footballers as they went through their season. So, I have not read the book, and I quickly tried to figure out what the story was. It was either that they had just been promoted. I think it was they have been promoted and they're a bunch of ragtag players. Mm. Um, but I thought, oh, you know what they're telling us? That this season is going to be somewhere in the spectrum between Hoosiers and the Miracle of Castel de Sangro. This is they they decide, um, the coaches decide we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna do any no trick plays. We're just an old classic. Take it away, coach. Um, and Roy says is the best way for us to play this season, the 4-4-2. Uh where he shows the thing and then Ted jumps in because he's been playing FIFA with Henry. And says, yeah, I played a whole bunch of FIFA always here, 4-4-2, uh, which is four defenders, um, four midfielders, and two up front. Um, and they, they're they pleasantly surprised by that, that the Premier League head coach knows soccer, <laughs> a soccer formation. <clears throat> and um, so, uh, yeah, he said it's very helpful. We both learned who Maradona was, and I had, I had to explain to my son, uh, cocaine is actually bad for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: As you do. So um Roy Roy explains these little pricks have played for uh four four two ever since they were kids. They'll always know where they're supposed to be, and more importantly, uh uh what they're supposed to do and where more importantly where they're supposed to be. Every fucking minute of every fucking game against every fucking opponent. I have not shared with you the Roy Kent fuck chart, which is the every wow. episode. I know you I knew your mind would go there, boss, because it's you. <laughs>
3: I mean, if if you have that, please do share.
2: <laughs> There's a someone made a, a lovely person on the internet made a, a thing of, of every time Roy Kent says "fuck." How many per episode? Um, and there was one episode where he almost it was um, beard after hours. I think he got one in. Wow. Okay,
3: sure, that makes sense. Oh, yes, okay,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: other other than that, it
1: was uh, it was yeah. I just is- like to introduce. Kenta Sutra to our <laughs> to our lexicon. Thanks. I'm gonna I'm gonna back away now.
3: Ugh. Oh god. A pun that's also sexually gross. There is nothing in the world that Castleton is gonna hate more than this. I just I nothing. basically
1: just whispered a sweet nothing in boss's ear and yeah. pissed off Castleton at the exact same time. It's like
3: Mm. yes
1: yes it's just just it's reprehensible a win.
3: it's a win-win-win
1: oh yeah uh-huh. I, <sighs> life will be down because i got here. T- i win twice
3: because i win him. twice yeah
2: you guys done or you want to yeah,
3: yeah take a little
2: celebratory laugh about your you know
3: <laughs> i will
2: blistering <laughs> stupidity
3: <laughs> i i i will Okay. I have uh, lived in this apartment throughout all of COVID. I learned how to do laps to get my steps <laughs> in when I couldn't <laughs> go outside.
2: That's it. Um, mm-hmm. So Ted jokes about, uh, um, okay, the, the um, uh, who invented this thing? The Russians. They say, yeah. Okay, hey, if you think it's a good idea, I think it's a great one. Let's do it. Um, and then Royce has something I thought was very interesting. What does he say, boss?
3: I don't. I know I don't have nice fucking tactical super brain like Nate, which is maybe the first time that we've seen Roy Kent be insecure about his own abilities. Well,
1: well, I think in terms of football.
3: Yes, obviously. I mean, Mm -hmm. he knows that his downward facing dog is not as good as Maureen's.
1: He does get that.
3: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. yeah sure did. Yeah.
3: But, yeah, when it comes to football, like, yeah. he's Roy fucking Kent. Yeah. He's everywhere.
1: I also... It made me wonder if we're... I want, it made me wonder if they set up a bit of Roy's journey. I mean, one of the things I've loved about this show is everybody's on a journey. Some may be bigger than others, but no one's just sort of, like, static and letting the action happen around them. And I think... You know, Roy did say, like, what's he going to do? He's just going to be some, you know, what, what was the word he used? But some idiot playing, uh, you know, walking around saying, hi, Roy, what's, what are you, what have you been up to? Fuck all. Like, and I think he's still kind of like <laughs> sorting that shit out, you know, like, am I, because this sounded, this didn't sound dissimilar to when he just. Described um, coaching the girls and talked about putting them, I want to say, in a diamond formation because the, um, the Indian girl whose name is not coming to me, but at any rate, I, I believe she was Indian background. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Is, was a, her name? is a fucking monster, which I just, having coached little kids and spoken about them just that way, I just mm-hmm. loved it. But um, yeah, I think he, I think he, I think we're probably gonna find out Roy is far more of a technician than he gives himself credit for being as this unfolds. Okay, yeah,
2: I mean, I'll take your word for it. Um, I was wondering if this is the tail wagging the dog a little bit, where uh, I was, I was, you know, you know how I feel about Nate. Um, don't mm-hmm. like him. Uh, <laughs> think think he's flawed, and and um,
1: you did a great job.
2: Yeah, no, 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 really, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate's, Nate's arc was phenomenal, Um, but he did some, that, ah, oh God, the Colin, what he said to Colin about the paintings, yeah, you're the, awful. yeah, you're like the, you know, Holiday Inn or whatever he said, Best Western, I forget what the, the hotel chain he referenced, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you are as a, the other people are pieces of artwork and you're just like a, you know, you cover up a stain. Right. And I thought, okay, you have to be so depraved to say that to someone who's kind to you and a good Good person, and okay, I just can't. Anyway, I I feel like Nate is addition by subtraction. I'm like the team is will be better off without him in the locker room, but the, by virtue of the fact that he has been elevated to this position now, Nate uh, Roy Kent himself is saying, "Oh, Nate is a tactical super," which I never. Heard any reference made to oh bef- before I know that he parked the bus, and I know that he came up with he came up with some plays and that sort of thing yeah. but i never i didn't I never had the sense at least in season two like oh uh the the brilliant genius of Nate the great is driving is the driving coaching force behind this team. It was when Roy got hired that the team turned around. Nate had already been on the team, and the team was was doing fuck all. And when Roy Kent
1: walked onto the sideline, everything changed for um, for Richmond. I, well, I guess in a both-and-ish direction, I would say, yes, I believe that when Roy Kent showed up, the heart of AFC Richmond returned. But I felt pretty clear, I mean, including Nate's, you know, Totally tone deaf rants about you know taking credit if it works and all this kind of stuff. Um, with the false nine and all that, I, I got the sense that, yeah, if you know, if we're who looks at the field and sees what others don't, I thought that mm-hmm. was Nate. He was the one who called for, um, he actually called for that corner kick play, um, when they were playing uh, man, you, um, no, yeah, the first season. But at any rate, it was. But there was the one where oh, they no, like no, he did. stepped he, past right. the ball, stepped past the ball. He's the one who jumped up, a Sandman. He he's the one who jumped up and said, "Sandman, Sandman." see, I always got the sense that Nate saw that piece. He never had the guts to speak up about it.
2: There's there's no question. But yeah. There's no, and you're and you're absolutely right. Nate was the one that gave the motive. The great Roy Kent. He, mm-hmm. he's the one that mm-hmm. outlined everybody's flaws, mm-hmm. and then. And then made them aware of it, and and, and you know he he forget, he'll forget more about soccer than than Ted ever knew about no, football, right. right? So so yes, no, I'm not disputing that. I just didn't think it was. um I guess I didn't see it as that he was the driving structural force inside of the coaching staff to the point where Roy would have called him that last year, and I thought, oh, is that just because? He got poached and he got taken away. And now, now that mm. the world thinks that he's the wonder kid, mm. um, maybe now Roy has started believing that he's the wonder kid. Even No I, doubt that he's talented. You know,
1: I but. hear you, but I remember when, when Rebecca congratulates Roy after, which one was that? I don't think that was the last one, but at any rate. Rebecca congratulates Roy after a big win. I don't want to misquote which one it was or misstate which one it was. And he in the fury of it says, "Actually it's when uh it's the anxiety attack." Because they're like, "Where's, you know, in the in all this chaos, it's like, oh yeah, and where's Ted? Oh, he said he had a stomach thing, blah blah blah." And she says, "The Roy Kent effect." And he says, Oh no! That was all Nate the Great, or all, that was all Nate, or Nate the Great, or something like that. He 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 acknowledges it. Yeah, there. yeah. So I think right. he, I think he, I think he saw it. I think he's probably overstating it now because all of a sudden you're. It's like so and so's a good singer, then you tap me on the shoulder and say, "Now you're the lead singer." It's like, oh, this shit harder than it looks. you know what i mean like before i was just saying i'm not a great singer now i'm like oh shit you put me center stage and i think that that's more the energy i got from it
2: when roy says he doesn't have nate's tactical super brain beard and ted share a knowing look and this isn't the first time uh, sorry this isn't the last time that sort of thing will happen in roy kent's general you know fart aura um there will be a, uh, it's going to happen uh, a little bit later as well, where he, he is, he has decided that this is a power he doesn't have. And the look between Beard and Ted said, actually, no, that's not correct at all.
1: I think it's interesting to watch a guy who's made his money through brawn get comfortable with brain you know i think it's interesting you know i think when he was first going to be a pundit it was like oh, he was talking whatever and now as a coach a bit of the same deal like even the fact that he's like i won't read the scouting reports right like he's not like embracing this new role of his fully right and he so i think i think that's a yeah we'll ha- we'll have to see what he does with that but Everything he does in the rest of life that we're seeing in the show says to me, he's plenty smart enough to figure out what it takes to beat this team or that team or what we would be good at or that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. I I think also there's something weird about being really great at doing something physical that it's not something you think about like especially when I was swimming. I was not a good swimmer. Our school was not a good swimming school. We didn't have a pool on the grounds. We had to go to other people's pools. We were bad. It's fine. But when you swim, you literally cannot think about it too much because then you get weird about your breathing and you choke and it's a bad time for everybody. Mm. So it's entirely physical to the point where you just want muscle memory and nothing else. I think that it's probably intimidating for Roy who is physically so amazing at playing, that Nate, who I'm also guessing never played at a serious level, knows something about this game that he knows so well physically. Like, he has to switch and he doesn't Mm. have... It's not only that he doesn't have that brain part, it's that he only knows how to do it in a physical way. So feeling like Nate has an understanding that he doesn't probably bothers him.
1: You know, it's funny you mention that. And you'd have to really go back through now, but the the moments of actual coaching I remember Roy doing line up with what you just said, right? It's it's Colin when that ball comes, you keep your head down and blah 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 and let it rip. Like it's not mm-hmm. right. It's not the other stuff. It's this is how you physically do that. If he runs here, you got to run there, and the pass has to be that hard, right? It's yes. not the other stuff, so. Yeah, interesting
2: point. I okay, guess. fair enough. Yeah, that's a, a really, really good. Thanks for refreshing my memory about that stuff. Um, it's more solid to be clever. Uh, more more important to be solid than clever when you're the underdog, uh, right? Uh, and Ted says, you know, hey, Coach, how can we never hear of an overdog? And to which Beard says, what, boss?
3: I'm going to mispronounce it, but it, in German, the uh, uh, Uber...
2: Uber Island uh, or Holland. something. Yeah, Uber
3: Island. Like yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. I took four years of Spanish and I can't tell you anything in another <laughs> language. <laughs> Maybe a swear word. Um, but, but we do say top dog. Right. That's it's true. It's not over. Yeah. Ted. It's top.
2: Yeah. Or the specifically the West Ham, which <sighs> is apparently um, forever blowing bubbles at the top of the Premier League this season. Um, so um, uh, th- this is a, this scene is confounding to me. So you guys are going to have to explain something to me here. Um, Rebecca walks into Keely's new office, which is, you know, uh, this is a, a real office. Op- this is like a real workspace and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, she she hears Keely over, overhearing on the phone. Um, th- it sounds like she's something I don't think it's fair to say about the unfair advantage of being a female owner in. In sports, the only female owner in a sport, or something along those lines. It seemed to me like she was talking about Rebecca. Um, then, what does she say about uh, two or about Joe Rogan when she hangs up the phone? Fuck you. Right. So, Fuck you, Joe Rogan.
3: Yeah, I, I sort of imagine she might have been on the phone with a uh, customer, client, mm-hmm. even a uh, print publication. Uh, asking if she thought that Rebecca had any sort of unfair advantage because she's a woman in sports and being an outsider might have given her a, a one-up over yeah no fuck you Joe Rogan no actually uh, white men don't have it harder than they used to and if they do they should
2: thank you thank you yes um, um I um <laughs> ag- agree <laughs> god damn it <laughs> Yes, I, I've been white manning all wrong uh, for what mm-hmm. it's worth. Uh, <laughs> yeah I haven't mm. haven't gotten mm-hmm. the the spoils of war <laughs> like some of yeah. my white men counterparts have. um <laughs> So um anyway, uh, but I will say that uh Healy Keeley, Keeley sees Rebecca, screams, runs out and and what is the vibe in the office, boss? I like explain this to me like,
3: So I I was wrong. It's actually this scene that I was going to tie back to the earlier one about uh, when to fight and when not to and who needs to tell you what to be fighting for. Uh, Everybody is working. They're working very quietly. There's not a lot of uh, movement or crosstalk at all. Everyone is sitting at their desks in the same room, just working uh, sounds like a daydream, if you ask me. Actually, I love it. I was very good working from home throughout the pandemic because it's very quiet in here. Um, then they go into uh, Keely's office itself, and she has a real boss's office.
2: Like, Wait a sec. Hold on, hold on. Before we get there, though, before we get okay. there, she says, sorry, everyone. She screams. People react in what in a way that seems like they're not I'm like, okay, this is her business. She's in the big office. Right. Yeah. Uh, the people who I'm guessing work for her right. don't seem to be into her shtick or into her vibe. And then she says, sorry everyone, this is my friend, my former boss, my angel mentor, Rebecca, and Rebecca. These are the poets and the geniuses behind uh, KJP, Keely Jones Productions, Keely Jones something, publicity, right?
3: Publicity. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah,
2: yeah And um, and so no, no one reacts to it's like a it, it's like a dead fish and then they go in the office. So so
1: I'm going, what what it what is yeah. I, I, I thought this was well, I, as it unfolds, I have more on it, but immediately I thought, how is this possibly Keely's company? Right. Like it just mm-hmm. immediately that's what hit like I was like, oh no you've made a leadership mistake or you've oh, allowed yeah. it to happen because I was like, this team, the team and the coach don't match at all. Yeah. Like the team, like this, you're not the coach for this team. Okay. Like, you, 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 one of the things, and I want to say it was either um, from good to great or uh, – one of, at any rate, I'll think of which one it was. But in one of those, like, organizational development, they talk about having the right people on the bus. Like, being, a, it's critical that you just get the right people on the bus. And I was like, oh, my God. You only got wrong people on this bus. Like, this is like a <laughs> modern funeral home. Like, what the hell?
2: I was like, are you in the wrong office? Like, how, how would you have ever hired these people? How and, would you? Yeah. The one time I ever had a chance to own my own business and build my own team— my first call was to a, a, a fire brand mm. named Orlando Bishop. <laughs> and I was like, I know who I want on the bus. Like, and then you get to build your culture yeah. and you get to say, this is like, because we spend so much time, mm-hmm. we spend more time with the people we work with than we do our own families. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever populate it? with people you don't like or people don't you don't mesh with or people you don't aligned with just even from a vibe standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm like, where's the where is Keely's assistant who's a bubble headed, you know, fun Mm -hmm. person that, you know, that Keeley can just dish with. I'm like, what is what is what am I looking at here? What's happening
1: here? Well, do you want to get into that yet? Or do you want to go do you want to keep going through the scene? Cause I think I think it becomes clear what is happening.
2: Okay, good. All right, let's let's do it. Yeah. So uh, we get in the office and boss, take it away. Um, what happens?
3: Um, it, one of the things Keely shows her all of the cool things in her uh very grown-up big girl office, including uh the view and pointing out her desk it, like very proud of her office, obviously. Part of the reason why they got it for such a steal was because the last people that owned it, the boss kept pinching all the wind on their butts. So uh, one's man losses another woman's gain. In this case, a a very creepy man, but it does come with perks, including, and she pushes a button and the windows to her office, like glaze over so that you can't see in the office anymore.
1: This is Matt Lauer. Yeah, this is a Matt Lauer joke.
3: It has to be a Matt Lauer joke. Like uh, there, there, there might be, Legitimate reasons to have a door that automatically closes and locks right. by pushing, but it doesn't feel right. Mm-mm. To which Rebecca even says, "Yikes!" But also quite cool. Like mm-hmm. there, there might be a reason why you needed to draw the the curtains all of the sudden.
1: Yeah, that seems... But
3: they're probably not good reasons. Actually, it works out pretty well in this case, though, because um, Keely's reason for it is immediately bawling Mm -hmm. on on Rebecca. Immediately she starts crying. Mm -hmm. Uh, She says something about how busy she is. She says she's so busy that she has to schedule time to cry at her desk, and today she accidentally double booked. And so she has to cry on Rebecca instead of at her desk.
1: I, I... really enjoy that. I don't know how y'all <laughs> felt about that joke, but it felt like as far as characters telling jokes that absolutely worked for them. Yes. Excuse me, that that felt so keely to me that she would realize she needs to have the time to cry, realize she's not really allowed to do that, therefore scheduling the time for it, and then now crying as she apologizes for the double booking. Like it just felt like yeah. Yeah. Like this is unicorn notebook meets business. I love it.
3: I love that she came up with the time to cry. I feel like as much as I am dead inside and um, everybody knows it and I'm okay with that. (laughs) I do think like crying is a good thing. Expressing emotions and feeling through it is important. And if people don't do it, bad things happen. So the fact that she's like, Oh, well, this is when I get my haircut mm-hmm. and this is when I go to the doctor and this is my daily cry session. Mm-hmm. Like, good. That's some self-care that you need.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: We're too- um, we Okay. So then we cut out of the office. We're over to training. Guys are running through poles, uh, just some like, uh, you know, flexibility and, uh, and, you know, agility drills. And, um, they're talking about how, on the scale of one to five, uh, marmalade sandwiches—they're getting no, no marmalade <laughs> sandwiches—and um, and nobody thinks they're any good. Um, from this,
3: from that sweet little bear, Paddington Bear, I think. Yeah. It was yes.
2: Yeah, that's from and Danny Rojas is just can't uh, how,
3: believe how it. Can um,
2: and and uh, it's who is it? Zero or someone says? I think
1: it's probably other people writing that. <laughs> I love that. I love that moment. I love that yeah. moment. Maybe. Like, we're just going to introduce it. That that's a possibility. It's not It's, it's not that there are definitely other people writing it. I don't want to blow up your whole world, but there might be other contributors. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was very funny.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, Ted says, what, what the heck is going on here? Guys are more distracted than a bunch of cats playing laser tag. I feel like there was a laser tag cat reference before. Oh, really? Uh, I feel like there. Oh, God. I'm gonna. No, I'm gonna have to, I mean, yeah, your I next,
3: your next rewatch. You're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to, check to listen.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They heard all the pundits saying we suck. Uh, fuck pundits. Oh, you were a pundit. They said, Roy. Yeah, and all we did was talk shit. <laughs> um, um, uh, yeah. Um, and Ted says this feels like one of those days where you know you want to have class outside. So, so Ted notices that the guys are really high strung and he says he wants to get below waterline. He asks, uh, they call Will over and I'm like, Oh, this is fun. Like Will is the new Nate. I wonder what I like Will a lot. He is a sweetheart. And so I was fired up that I'm like, Oh, I hope Will has a bigger role this season. Cause he's, he's nice. Um, and he asks if, uh, Kenneth is available. We don't know who Kenneth is. And he says, No, he, he lives at the, uh, fac- he lives here at the facility and Ted thinks that's just a turn of phrase but he's like no no he does uh, ever since his uh, cult uh broke down or cult was was shut down oh ken ken was in a cult uh kenneth was in a cult i don't know no he was the leader of of
0: <laughs> the cult.
1: i really enjoyed that at, at which
2: point i remember beard looking over at roy and like nodding like yeah like that's a oh okay yeah that well, adds you might up. Add,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's,
2: yep.
3: that that to me felt like um Uh, Of The Office reference when Creed said that he's uh, been in a cult a few times, both as a leader and a follower. More fun as a follower, but more money and access as a leader.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember that. That is funny.
3: Oh, yeah. I I can't say that I love The Office as much as I once did, but Creed holds up. That guy's great.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) Ted asked him to to bring the team bus around for him. He appreciates it. All right, fellas, the segment of this, uh, today's training is now complete. You know, he kind of has a little head nod with beard. Like we're going to do this and beard is all for it. Um, I, this felt good to me because I'm like, okay, there's a plan and they know what this beat is and they know how to, how to do it. They, they're coaches. This is, this is their, this is, this is their sweet spot. So, um, Ted, uh, stops training and everyone to go hop on the bus. We're taking practice on the road and last one in the park, uh, Uh, last one of the parking lot has to eat a little bug. Did you guys take that as like, he actually has to eat a little, like someone
1: has to eat a bug. I wasn't sure if that was sort of of the general rotten egg, Mm -hmm. you know, sort that felt a little more that way, but yeah, but definitely that was the spirit of it.
3: As we established, it would be coach beard eating the bug. He's the slowest, absolutely the slowest.
1: Yeah.
2: Everybody run except for Roy, which I thought was really funny. Uh mm-hmm. Rodic right, no fucking way he's going to run uh, it's it's great um, and then um, okay now we're back with Keely and um, Rebecca in the office Rebecca uh, comments on crying and how cleansing it is and she says it's a uh, what what does she call it uh, boss
3: an
1: orgasm for the soul that's one of my favorite not- lines of dialogue in a while <laughs> I was like huh it, like, it was like one of those where I was like, huh. And then I went, oh, yeah, kind of. I get yeah, it. I am
3: now tr- grasping at straws, but I feel like there was some teen comedy or something where uh, somebody did refer to crying as jizzing out your eyes. So I guess, you know, <laughs> it, a lot of a lot of poets have commented in different ways <laughs> on, on the importance of crying.
1: Jizzing
2: out your eyes. That's incredibly mm-hmm. crass, first of all.
3: Um, second of I, all. I could get crasser. That, like, guys, don't challenge me.
2: I don't understand the world you live in, or Rebecca, <laughs> where pe- friends in a room utter the word orgasm to each other. Like, that's like, I don't even like.
0: <laughs> Wait, that's
1: what? what threw you off? <laughs> I'm like, what are you? What are You that? know, I think from now on, every holiday Every oh holiday God. boss, we should buy coach oh pearls, my God. we just buy him pearls so like because just he, cl- just clutch him, baby, just clutch him he oh like, really shit. it's like,
2: it's not that it's like i i mean i I use all sorts of words, but it's just that particular, that's like saying that's like if if uh me and me and coach are, are hanging out watching Fight club, and then I lean over and I go that's it's kind of erotic to me. He'd be like, what <laughs> in the
3: fuck?" It's just certain words. So wildly different, though. (laughs) Okay, so it's like like an
2: orgasm for the soul. What? Settle the fuck down.
3: I was just like, okay, (sighs) Okay,
2: whatever. Straighten them out. We're just eating salad here.
3: There's there's people. What? Such a huge difference between (laughs) saying it is an orgasm for the soul and like. Well, crying just made me calm. Like it's one thing to reference your own sort of this is this is turning me on is a different thing from like Alexander Skarsgård is attractive. Those are two wildly different things. Like you can say a movie is erotic, and that's completely different from you leaning over to Coach Bishop and saying this is very erotic to me. Like, come on, you have to know that there's a difference there.
2: No, I don't. Um, okay, <laughs> don't. so. so- so you, you, I love uh, – the more you talk, boss, the more <laughs> I think about the little button. When you publish an episode of a podcast, you click, does this have explicit material? And you oh. click it and you cleanse your soul for all the nine-year-olds that yeah. might stray into your field of profanity. And then, there, then I think, oh, I wish I could click two for this sure. particular interaction
3: this this. All, for this all I'm episode.
2: saying is I I, I didn't th- I don't think crying is <laughs> quote unquote. You,
3: you, you wouldn't say it's orgasm like coming? for the No, that's not a thing you would say. Would you say <laughs> I, I I asked him if he would not say that it's like coming. <laughs> oh my God. You're never gonna let me be on video again because you have to look me in the face when I say that. You have to watch it happen at you.
2: Ah, oh, God. I made such a, <laughs> such a bad I'm choice. I'm so happy I
1: could come from my eyes.
2: That's <laughs> good. Your, your kids are going to listen to this someday. The um, last three years, she was married oh, to God. Rupert. I don't think I cried once, um, which is sad. And she was you know, showing how numb she was about anything. Um, not the John Lewis Christmas commercial. I forgot the what's the John Lewis Christmas commercial again?
1: I assume that was uh, that side of the pond specific reference. I I didn't it didn't trigger anything for me.
2: Okay, all right, we'll have to look that up. I'm really sorry again about your blouse, Keely says. Uh, you know, don't worry, it was barely noticeable. It's you know, it's I
1: love it. That. that was so sweet between two friends. I love that.
2: Okay. So, um, they're talking about, uh, now Rebecca is talking about the, the, the season predictions about Richmond. Um, and, um, you know, she's, she's like, you're not actually worried about that though. Right. Um, and Rebecca says, no, no, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm just worried a bit worried that Ted isn't worried enough, which is a byproduct of him saying, no, we're going to be fine. Um, and, then, then Keely just says, yeah, you just got to let Ted be Ted, mm-hmm. which I don't think Rebecca that lands with Rebecca at that, at that moment. Um, and she just says, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just, so, I'm just more bothered. that Rupert must be so happy right now. And she says, yeah, he's really stuck in your head these days. And this I like Rebecca says, no, I mean, yes, but he's not stuck in the same way. He used to be stuck back mm-hmm. then. I wanted to destroy everything Rupert loved known and coveted. And and this was a fantastic reference yeah. um coach yeah. i lo- I loved it so much, and I loved her her validation of it. go ahead, say what the, you know the, like the,
1: left the, eye yeah. from TLC when she burned all her boyfriend's trainers in the bath and ended up burning down the entire house i It's funny because I remember that when it happened. I remember yep. watching the behind the music about it, and mm-hmm. I remember, like, like it's like it was such a thing. That it was mm-hmm. a great, great reference, and that these two women in particular would have such clear and aligned opinions on it, I just thought mm-hmm. it was like this was Chef's kiss for me with that kind of reference.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, uh, uh, ultimate gangster move, <laughs> so fucking, great. fucking legend,
1: fucking legend, like, yeah, yeah, one yeah. of. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead boss. I,
3: I was only going to say there is a, a, a distinct reaction to what uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez did, and you can tell based on a person's reaction what sort of person they are. Because scorned women and decent boyfriends are like, "Good, great, fucking burn it, burn that shit to the ground," and shitty boyfriends are like, "Oh, his all of his shoes, every pair of shoes." It, it tells you it's a, it's a excellent test of a person's character
1: well i think one of the th- yes to agree with you and i also <laughs> think like the fucking legend part i think about where what rebecca just described about her own life right mm-hmm. like i'm sure she's like picturing the wingtips that should have been burnt yes that she never got around to burning and i just yes. really thought oh yeah 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 no I, i i get this
3: that she should have taken more with her, another pound of flesh when she left.
1: Yes. And I'll share it quickly at uh, Yale. Oh, God. Anyway, I'll try to be quick with this. <laughs> There's so much. We could do another pocket. No, but so at Yale, there was a college called um, Calhoun, named after John C. Calhoun, famously, you know, slavery proponent. Okay. So there in there, there were stained glass windows, some of which depicted scenes w- of, with slaves. Like, the, and it was just there. So, you, you know, you're eating your fucking Wheaties in the morning. And if you're in Calhoun College, you look up and there's, you know, some black people getting, you know, shuttled about getting their work, you know, told to go do their work. So, you know, over the years, people commented on it or whatever. But it was sort of like, well, you know, I chose to come to Yale. I guess this is what I signed up for. Cause, you know. And finally, though, there was a real movement around, no, we cannot have a college named this way, blah, blah, blah. But before, while that was still being hotly contested, a Yale employee, a black man, broke one of the stained glass windows. And of course, there was all this debate about, you know, was that right or it's wrong or he should or he shouldn't. I sent that man $100 and I sent him $100 because he got fired and I was like, you're going to need some money. Yeah. As I, a college oh, student? And I, and, and I, huh? As a college student? No, 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 no. This is like a few years ago now. So I was, oh, I'm gonna do whatever. But and I'm glad you said that because what I I sent a note because it was like probably like you know one of GoFundMe or whatever it was. I the note I sent was I'm helping you out because I should have done it my damn self. Yes. And love to me, that's what I hear specifically Rebecca saying. Is like, yeah, you're goddamn right with these wealthy men and their bullshit. I should have burnt the fucking house down. <laughs> good for you, Lisa. I, that's what yes. I felt in that moment. Yeah. I, I'm processing that. My God. Fuck, yeah. that is yeah, that's all that's heavy duty. Holy shit. Yeah, but I, I really did send him that money. I was like, good for you, man. Yeah. Good for yeah.
3: You, man. I kind of want to send him some money, too. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm, I'm years late, but yeah, you deserve this.
1: Yeah, it was pretty wild. Anyway, yeah. So there you go. So yeah, I'm with them. <sighs> Fucking legend. Good for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lisa left. eye was a. It was a litmus test. You're right about mm-hmm. how you viewed it. I remember thinking like, whoa. I thought it was really empowering for women at the time, and I, I was I wasn't like, well, I was like, I was like attracted to that kind of strength. I was like, <laughs> God damn. Like I like like I was like, you have power. You are you were like, you know what I'm gonna do. Again, this is this is that happened. What I don't remember exactly when it happened. She died in two thousand two.
3: Yeah, so um, this was
1: mid nineties, maybe then. Yeah, it was. It wasn't like immediately before she. I you mean, know, it happened. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it,
3: it was long enough before then that she talked about it in the behind the music. So it was years enough before she died that they filmed it. Mm, good point. So, so yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyway, um, you're right, and this is this is Rebecca is totally on board with the move. And God, I wish I had, wish I you know, looking back, how many choices did she make that she would go completely in a different direction? Um, And that's that's a testament to how far she's come. So that's great. Um, But me now doesn't feel the need to destroy every person's life. Now me just wants to beat him and to win.
3: That reminded me a lot of um, uh, John Bryan has a song called uh ruin my day. Uh you don't have the pull that you used to but you could still ruin my day. A- a- about an ex. It felt a lot like that.
1: That's a that's a that's a great lyric. Now I want to go mm-hmm. check out that song. That's a great lyric. Oh, it's so good. I and
3: I hope I'm pronouncing his name last name correctly. It's uh B R I O N. I've heard it a couple of different ways and settled on Brian, so apologies if that's wrong.
2: Okay. So um uh, Miss Jones, we have a problem. Uh, well, oh, there's a little moment there with Keeley where she says, "Oh, that's that's
1: growth, right?" Like, but I was like, "Wait, is that? Did you see Keeley's face when she said that?" She said, "Sure." I I love that moment. To me, that okay, was good. that that was friend slash coaching excellence. Like Rebecca, <laughs> it, it's it's. Eh. Is it growth? Probably requires a little bit of unpacking and discussion, but not right now. Right. Like part of the coaching sometimes is like you don't need this bit of coaching right now. Just flag that and get back to it later. And so, yeah, I thought in this moment, Rebecca just needed to hear. Good for you. Yes, Yeah.
3: she will get there eventually, but Keely is just going to keep encouraging her on making little steps.
2: Coach, one one of the things you always harp on, and uh, you've been you've consistently said this is what a great low key coach Keeley is. Yes, uh,
1: all over the place with everybody that she's involved. She's she's like a legitimately good coach. She brings out the best in people, and Nate even says that about her. Nate marvels at that. Like he notes that about her, which I think is significant in terms of their two paths.
2: She she also did that with Jamie. He was the only one that she felt mm-hmm. comfortable talk- speaking mm-hmm. with, and um, you know, even after their breakup, uh, you know, where Boss pointed out very rightly in the, in, in season one how you know the the, the confluence of um, um, male intimacy, physical intimacy, can som- sometimes be be uh, confounding when the physical physical intimacy goes away, and and that's the only person that you've ever opened up too. So, um, there's all that there. And Keely navigated that with a lot of grace. So Keely is a great coach. Um, there's a line there where, uh, after Rebecca talks about the growth, uh, this is interesting. Keely, uh, fount of wisdom that she is says, sometimes you got to let Rupert be Rupert too. That was interesting.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes. That Ted being himself most often will succeed. And Rupert being Rupert will most often sabotage himself. And eventually everyone will sort of see through the the Rupert facade to see what a prick he is.
2: Yeah, that's true. And in walks Barbara, who is, uh, we come to find is the CFO of of whatever this is. Uh, Miss Jones, we have a problem. And what's the problem, boss?
3: As that uh, Keely wants to spend 200 pounds every week on flowers. And this actually, I've done it wrong twice now this is the scene that i wanted to connect back to with ted not giving as much fight as he might need to you always anytime that you have a vision or a plan or anything else you need somebody to keep the guardrails on you and in ted's case that's usually beard beard is usually like hey we're in the professionals you need to get your shit together and now it's rebecca saying you need to fight a little bit more and God bless you, Keeley. I love you so much. You cannot spend $10,000 a year at what is essentially a publicity startup on flowers in order to make the office look and smell nice, even if that's a great thing. Even if there's so much about her personality that we love that you would want to have $200 worth of flowers every week for your employees, you can't because that's too much of an expense to have your first year in business. So Barbara, I'm sorry. The accountant in me will not allow me to disagree with the CFO. You gotta knock that shit off.
1: Yes. <laughs> but yeah. But I think there's something that's missing, and it's because Keely hasn't had to lead
2: before. Boss, I love that you're that you are um aligned with with a Ball breaking CFO. That, what a shocker.
3: I, yeah, I know. I, since when? Since when would I do that? I mean, it's just, you only have so much money. And this is not my personal viewpoint because I buy myself tulips every single week when they are in season. From like, I have, I have my second blo- uh, bouquet right now, but I am personally bad with money and professionally good with it and it's only for like two months out of the year it's not every week and also they cost like 15 bucks
2: yeah no no no, it's true i mean yeah it does seem like so so the the problem there are a lot of problems with with barbara's approach um first of all keely pauses before they get to business and introduces her and she's 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 business-like which is fine it's a business um but i thought like um standoffish and which is fine um and then it became apparent in the way that she interacted with keely that she is in the role of governess or something like that like like it's more than she's like no here is the use for flowers so keely her instinct in my mind is right Which is let's build corporate culture. Let's build the, the, a, a workplace environment that's pleasant to be in. Now, does she go overboard? Certainly that seems, um, that she's, that she, (laughs) she's, she's overshot the mark a bit. What I didn't hear from, um, uh, Barbara was some form of middle ground or how about this? What if we get silk flowers? And then what if we get some, uh, we can get some candles or we can get some scented something to give you the scent and the feel that you want with a more reasonable whatever. What she says instead was, there are two uses for flowers and it's this and this and that's it. Nice to meet, pleasure to meet you, which Rebecca gives her the, you know, casts her nice, you know, nice to meet you too, ice cold bullshit over her shoulder. And then that's it. And so. A second ago, we were just like, oh Jesus, Rebecca's in, kind of in the shit with her <laughs> with her obsession about Rupert or whatever. Like she's not like showing a ton of growth. And then we see like Keeley's also in it, and you go, okay, all right, this is a
1: lot of table setting between these two. That's how I read it. I I thought I, I I'm really glad you brought up that point about then what's the answer? Because I thought there was a lack. Keeley, we know, has a lack of leadership experience. So it didn't come from her, and I. And on the other side of it, yeah, I think it felt a lot to me. Babs felt a lot like um, Roy in season one, not appreciating why it might be important to some members of AFC Richmond that the snacks be tasty. Okay. Right basically keely's like wouldn't y'all like like some a good hot shower and they're all looking like and to me that's what i saw and so to me keely needs to understand what she's going to need to do to make that happen um and part of me just the the whole episode i found myself going keely is your company and i'll share that when i when I went to to direct dinner for two, I was I was given this advice, and I if I've said it before and here I apologize, but the advice I was given from an experienced director is don't strike out using somebody else's bat, and that was the advice I wanted to scream to Keely in this episode. Like you would never, you need to run a unicorn on the notebook business, and if it goes belly up, it goes belly up. Now you may need to. Make some choices. Ten grand on flowers. Like, let's sit down with a budget. Well, you don't know. Maybe Keely's like, listen, y'all have a driver on here for me. I'll drive my damn self and get flowers. Like, right? I'm I'm down for being a grown up. But right now, it's like, well, are you working in their company? Or are they working in your company?
3: I, so I actually, even though I disagree, uh, even though I agree, I should say with Barbara, yeah. shockingly siding with the CFL. Um, <laughs> Even though I agree with her, I do agree that Keely needs to own her company if she's going to own her company. That's fine. Uh, I do think that there should be some more back and forth about what do we do instead of that. But also, I think we could tell by the office that the people that she just said hello to and screamed in front of and everybody was shocked by it, they don't give a shit about the flowers. You, in Barbara's defense, she is supplying them with something that she thinks will change the corporate culture that they are not responding to. So it is a, a, a chance well, because, for Keeley to
2: learn, But, right, that's Barbara's but here's staff, the thing,
3: right? Sorry.
2: Yeah, that's Barb. That's the whole thing. This is not yeah. Keeley's company. It's in color- her company in name only. Barbara hired that staff. That's why they're a bunch of Barbaras, a bunch of stiffs. Um, and that's what. Yeah, no, no, yeah. That's that's <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, I love take that. I right I love on that the boss chin is
1: like good shit. <laughs> What do you want me? What do you want me to do? Have to every goddamn day tell you you can't spend ten thousand dollars on flowers? I don't need this shit.
3: I, I don't. I don't need this shit. I got it's a lot not... of other shit to do. All right, everybody.
1: Actually,
2: this episode is running crazy long, so we're gonna we're gonna cut it in half, uh, limit it to uh, just under eleven hours. Um, make sure to jump on ahead to part two of season three, episode one. It smells like mean spirit. Um, And, uh, yeah, just jump over to the next episode and, and and we'll pick it up where we left off. The TEDcast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.